0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: This is Gerard Gibbert, and thank you for listening to Middays here on Super Talk Mississippi.
0: Welcome to Real Talk for Real
2: Mississippians. Let's do this. Three, two,
0: one. Welcome to the JT Show with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. And now, here's Gerard Gibbert.
1: I couldn't get my headphones on. <laughs> These things are hard to unravel.
3: That'll happen.
1: <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the JT Show. Super Talk Mississippi. Gerard and Rhino on this. Huh? D. Yes, it is. Sorry about the delay. Got I got into a tussle with the cords. <laughs> oh, my gosh we got a good show on top for you today. Coming up in the studio at 11, we've got State Senator Daniel Sparks. We're going to talk to him about SB 2795. That is the parole reform bill we've discussed on the air before. And also Initiative 65. We'll get his thoughts on that, the lawsuit. Have him handicap that. And then coming up at 12, Lucian Smith, attorney, former Mississippi GOP chairman. We'll talk to him about the court-packing plans that Democrats have. Whew, they want to expand the Supreme Court and the future implications of that. That's fairly permanent, of course. And lots of the other plans, D.C. statehood. I think there's going to be a vote on that, maybe today. In the House of Representatives of the United States, that would, of course, make its way over to the, uh, the Senate. would require 60 votes over there unless they kill the filibuster, which I think is the plan. Just keep the, throwing stuff over from the House, passes the House with the Democrat majority, transfers over to the Senate, Doesn't get the necessary 60 votes legislation such as that that cannot be passed with simple majority through the budget reconciliation process. The Democrats cry foul and say, that's why we got to kill that filibuster. They kill the filibuster, have free reign, do every anything and everything they want. That would be the risk. You gotta think that's kind of the plan. Feels like it.
3: Well, at least from the House Democrats, right. So far, the Senate Democrats have been a bit mum on their—I don't know—position for the, the the for the demolition of the filibuster. I guess is the right word. Yeah,
1: the uh, so, well, so the far,
3: deconstruction of the filibuster,
1: <laughs> abolition. <laughs> so so far. Uh, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia has indicated his opposition. He said under no circumstances would he vote to eliminate the filibuster. Let's hope he's true to his word there. Also, Senator Kristen Sinema from Arizona has voiced her concerns about that as well. So... We shall see where that goes. In the meantime, of course, the big news. The verdict was rendered and announced yesterday in the Derek Chauvin trial. And, you know, (laughs) the reactions have been interesting, to say the least. The one that I think we may have some sound on this rhino. The one that was most surprising, and and frankly totally inappropriate, and I think I think it justifies censure, and that's Nancy Pelosi.
4: We all saw it on TV. We saw it happen, and thank God the jury validated what we saw what we saw so again thank you george floyd for sacrificing your life for justice for being there to call out to your mom how how heartbreaking was that call out for your mom i can't breathe but because of you and because of thousands millions of people around the world who came out for justice Your name will always be synonymous with justice.
1: Huh? What? So, let me get this straight there, Madam Speaker. You considered the event that occurred last May now being deemed a murder, a homicide, by a court. That was a sacrifice? Like, he just put himself, he gave himself up. That's what sacrifice is. He raised his hand and said, Hey, police officer, kill me. Go ahead and take my life. So that in the name of social justice, in the name of energizing this country towards the goal of social justice, is that kind of what she's saying there? That's what it sounds like. She's a fool. The, and so look, the, she's being...
3: I mean, how anybody could take anything she says at face value, I do not understand. We've seen time and time again how fake she is. Clueless. Look, she, and she has been under
1: fire from folks on the left. University of Illinois history professor and longtime black activist Barbara Ransby, she reacted on Twitter saying, quote, "Did Pelosi just say, "George Floyd, thank you for sacrificing your life for justice?" How did not He did not sacrifice in all caps his life. His life was violently taken, violently taken. This is crazy. Thank you for sacrificing your life, another another person on Twitter says. Better to say, I'm sorry you had to sacrifice your life for justice. Geesh. Tweeted, I don't know, KLMK5765. Another user, Chris Lee Cal, tweeted, pretty sure he didn't sign up to be murdered by a cop. Another no, no, no in all caps. What the F, Pelosi? Sacrificing your life is something people have to do on their own. Floyd was murdered. We just had a whole trial. It's Anyhow, that, I think that's just more evidence that that lady's just tone deaf. <laughs> She's just totally clueless. I, I mean, I'm shocked. Really. Um, I, it's just terrible in in my view. So, I, I don't know. I guess the question is, was the right verdict rendered? I feel like it was. I feel like it was. Now, there are people that, that will disagree.
3: I but, feel like it'll likely go on appeal. Yeah. And you know... So, I mean, you've got sentencing and what? I think they put it off for, well, part of my brain saying six weeks, part of my brain saying 18 weeks. 18 weeks is way too long, so maybe six weeks is right. But it, it's not immediate. They're not doing sentencing today. It, it's right. going to be a minute before sentencing right. comes down. So you have that time frame. And then after that, you've got, what, a year, year and a half of appeals and motions and all that kind of fun. So, I mean, this... This is the first step in a long, what's going to be a drawn out process, which is kind of sad when you look at the expediency of all this. I mean, this all started May of last year. So it's been less than a year. It, I, I think people are jumping the gun a little bit on any clear cut decisions. I mean,. Yeah, he was found guilty. All three counts. All three counts. But it, it will go to appeal, and from what I understand, there may be some merit to at least one appeal. Eight weeks
1: is what the judge eight just, weeks. Just, there we go. looked up. Yeah. So that's why I was uh, thinking 18. That right. They came around. No specific date determined, but eight weeks. But yeah, the speculation uh, from the legal community is that Joe Biden's idiotic comments, along with Representative Maxine Waters could actually help and pave the way for a Chauvin conviction appeal. Because normally they look at that and say, nah, there's nothing here to appeal. In this case, because you have this video evidence that you just can't get out of your head. But Biden and, and Maxine Waters obviously made comments. We'll talk about that. When we come back, we've got a break right here on the JT Show. Please stay with us. Today,
5: yeah. yeah. The Spring Seating Spectacular at Mustard of Jackson is going to blow your mind. That's right, spring is here, and it's time to ditch that old car and upgrade to a new Mazda. We're offering our biggest savings of the year right now, and you don't want to miss it. Right now, get 0% financing or $1,500 off new 2021 Mazda 6s. Plus, get 0% financing on new 2021 Mazda CX-5s, which will save you thousands in finance charges. And Mazda of Jackson will give you your first year of maintenance for free. Worried that you can't get approved because of your past credit issues? Don't be. We are focused on your future, and our credit specialists are standing by to get you approved today. 100% credit approval is our number one goal. Plus, you can buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty from Mazda of Jackson. Bring in your current vehicle. We'll buy it even if you don't buy a new one from us. So come see all of our amazing deals during our spring savings spectacular only at Mazda of Jackson, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Our all-new state-of-the-art facility is located at 5397 I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991-2222 today. Mazdaofjackson.com. See dealer for complete details with approved credit on
6: select models. Deal.
8: With a special invitation to join us weekday morning, six to nine. Breaking news, quick shots, analysis—all right here on Super Talk Jackson, ninety-seven point three.
9: I'm back.
10: I told you I was coming
0: back. This is the JT Show with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: You insist on playing that. You just like to inflict
3: pain. Audio pain. <laughs> hey, it could be worse. I could revert back to Worst Music Wednesday, where I actively sought out the worst music. Like Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah, I said it. That dude sounds like that? cat screaming.
1: Of course... Immediately, what pops into my mind when you talk about Worst Music, is that it, Worst Music? Oh, yeah, Worst Music Wednesday. Is <laughs> the safety dance, of course, Men Without Hats.
3: Which that counts as a one-hit wonder, too. Yeah. So I could pull it out. It's huge.
1: <laughs> All right, so uh, let's see. uh Mike in Gulfport, I don't understand the multiple charges. If you are guilty of third-degree murder, how can you be charged with manslaughter also? I wondered that as well, and that's a a legal question that, honestly, I can't answer.
3: It all comes down to the separate definitions, the the legal definitions of each charge. So you've got the second-degree murder, which is the unintentional murder. Yeah. That is... Mm -hmm. Causing the death of a human being without intent while committing or attempting to commit an assault. Yep. So you've got to prove somebody died and it was without intent while committing or attempting to commit an assault. The second one, the third degree murder, is defined as unintentionally causing a death by committing an act that is imminently dangerous to other persons while exhibiting a depraved mind with reckless disregard for human life. What that's called around here is depraved heart murder. Mm-hmm. That's willfully driving down the wrong side of the interstate hoping to hit somebody. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the third degree murder. The, the third charge, the third count that he was found guilty on, is the manslaughter, which is creating an unreasonable risk by consciously taking the chance of causing death or great bodily harm to someone else. Right. None of those three required the jury to prove intent to murder, right intent to kill, which
1: murder one does, I believe, Correct. right,
3: yep, all three which is of why these, that charge, was which is not, why that was yeah. not applied. Mm-hmm. the The prosecution had to prove to the jury beyond a reasonable doubt that he ticked a box in all three of those, and the jury thinks he did. yep.
1: So what that means uh, in terms of sentencing is that there there's time associated with with each of those right and so they could be combined I think Correct. one is 40 10 8 seems like something to that effect uh,
3: from what i've read because chauvin does not have a previous criminal record uh he would be eligible for their early release program or good behavior program or whatever you want to call it yeah which i think the minimum they calculated mm. would put it at about 12 12 and a half years served mm. But the maximum is forty, fifty, sixty, or something
1: like that. Yeah, I think it's forty for uh, murder, two, right, and then uh, there, I don't remember the number associated with three, and then manslaughter. I want to say manslaughter is ten. This is a number that sticks in my head. But so, but with respect to with respect to an appeal, so the the legal talking heads that I've I guess, uh, observed the last couple of days have all said that the defense would go to the jury and question them. While you were sequestered, were you aware of the comments, the remarks by um, Maxine Waters and the president, who said, we're praying for the right verdict? Maxine Waters, of course... Played her, her sound yesterday, but she too was calling for guilty, 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 and and uh, confrontation. And and so did they hear that first and second? I guess they asked them, did this influence you? Did you, this influence your decision, your verdict decision? And. If those, if any of them come out and answer that affirmatively, that does set up. According to the judge, as you recall, he said, quote, overturn.
3: Yeah, that would be tampering.
1: Yeah. And it was dumb for both of these people in their positions to say anything like that. That was just dumb. So think about it. The people who support and vote And fawn over, frankly, Joe Biden and Maxine Waters could be the ones absolutely bent out of shape, blowed up, (laughs) if this verdict is overturned
3: because of what they did. No blame would fall at their feet. It would simply be blamed on a broken system. Which is what we have now.
1: Uh, coming, uh, really, I mean, that's the basis for the whole deal at the end of the
3: day and, and the whole discussion and narrative. But That's why they felt safe saying it, because then they can just spin it to, well, even if I did say it, words shouldn't matter, and that's it's, it's all spin. It's all BS. Yeah, Thomas
1: and Greenwood does make a comment about, wonder when we'll hear the cries about the charges given he was found guilty on all three. Won't there be outrage that he wasn't charged with first-degree murder? I don't think there will be. I mean, look, there's outrage no matter what. And if you look across the landscape of,
3: of reaction, th- there are many. From what I understand, those three charges was the equivalent of we're throwing murder the one. book at him, but this is all we can prove. Right. And according to the jury, they proved it. And I don't
1: know that they could have gotten the same verdict with a murder one. I don't think that would have happened.
3: Because you have to prove intent.
1: And I don't think it was intentional. Now, I will say this about this guy, who I, I'm i suspicious of. I'm talking about the officer. So one thing that I learned doing a little bit of investigation, did you know that this guy's been evading payment of taxes? Yeah. And there are several sources reporting this. This isn't just some off-the-wall, obscure media. This goes, by the way, back to last July when this report was released. It just kind of flew under the radar. But he's been charged with multiple felony counts of tax evasion. He and his wife, they failed to report income from several jobs. She had several jobs. Allegedly owed... $38,000 to the state of Minnesota. It's it's crazy. His estranged wife, Kelly Chauvin, six counts of aiding and abetting filing false or fraudulent tax returns. Three counts of aiding and abetting failing to file state tax returns. 2014 to 2019, $464,000 of income not reported. Is that weird? Seems weird to me. Is there, it, what can we learn from that? What does that instruct? Is this guy a crook? I mean, he's, I don't think he's been convicted of it yet, but he's been charged with these counts of felony that that is a felony to evade taxes and something's weird about that just weird to me i don't know uh... there there are also photos of his mugshot you've seen those that are that are circulating around the
3: internet so... But if you got your tinfoil hat on, that wasn't even Chauvin at the trial. It was some sort of look-alike that got convicted and is going down. Yeah. See, this is what I mean about don't believe everything you read on the face page. Because yeah. some of it's complete nonsense. Yeah. But I've seen more than mm-hmm. once this morning somebody on Facebook yeah. trying to say that, oh, that was just a look-alike. you got to be kidding me. Why?
1: <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Stop. Everything's not a dead gum conspiracy. Come on. Carolyn Starkville, do you remember a time when top federal government officials kept their nose out of local events intended to the business of the country? It's been a long time. But what they did here was completely inappropriate, in my opinion. And it could come back and bite them again. Again. Hurting the very people they claim to be the champion of, or certainly hurting and going against their will and their wishes, which was a conviction. We'll take a break right here on the JT Show. Stay with us. We'll be back after these messages.
11: clinton body shop shouldn't you choose them for your repair clinton body shop in clinton and richland certified by the company that made your car to repair your car with oem factory parts Go to ClintonBodyShop.com. It's about your family's safety and your car's value. That's ClintonBodyShop.com.
8: You know, when reality sets in and you hear those words, we're moving, creates lots of emotions. Gallo here, been there, done that. In just days, and for $2,500 over the list price, Lee Garland gives you the options like instant cash offer with no showings, no repairs or hassles, just cash. So after you utter the words, we're moving, call my friend Lee Garland of the Garland Group of EXP Realty. 601-983-1130. And check them out online at LeeWillBuyIt.com. That's LeeWillBuyIt.com. Be sure and check out the newly remodeled Basils in Fondren, where you get simple food done well. And don't forget to drop by Basils Fountain View at the Renaissance. Go to eatbasils.com for online ordering for both locations. That's
12: Basils.
13: Morgan Stone has been serving builders, contractors, and homeowners since 1997.
10: They have everything for interior and exterior projects.
12: We have all kinds of stuff.
10: Marcus, let me tell them. Stone pavers, stone benches, stone slabs, stone boulders, stone fire pits, flagstone, fields. Stone, blue bluestone,
12: cobblestone, chopstone? That's right, Zeta.
10: I'm
13: Zoe Morgan. We're rock solid since 1997. Statewide delivery, the largest stone yard in Mississippi. Come see us at Morgan Stone in Brandon. Morganstone.com.
2: Pilium Corporation is a proud sponsor of Ole Miss Sports. Protect and grow your business with Pilium By improving business practices with technology-driven solutions, Pilium solves problems and creates new opportunities for your company. Learn more at Pilium.com.
14: I'm Andy Davis, and you're listening to Supertalk Mississippi News. Employers across the state are struggling to find workers, and some blame federal unemployment policies that make it more profitable for people not to work. Jackie Turner is with the Department of Employment Security. And we hear from employers every day,
15: legislators saying, what can we do? Companies need workers. When do these benefits run out? Why
14: aren't people working? Those kind of things. And hurricane season begins in just a little over a month. Anthony Wilson, CEO of Mississippi Power, said what happened last year was way out of the norm.
16: We had one of our analysts actually go back and kind of sew together the number of days that we were either in a storm mode In other words, returning power back on or preparing to turn power back on. And it turned out 58 days last year, we were in that mode. So literally two months out of the 12 months, we were engaged in storm restoration.
14: I'm Andy Davis.
17: Twilight Concerts at Renaissance are back live. Saturday, April 24th, starring the Almond Betts Band. Special
10: sauce.
17: Taz hour, Cedric Burnside, The Vamps, and more. It's a full day of music presented by Wicked Wheat Brewery for this socially distanced concert. <laughs> Carefully. Tickets are on sale now at ardenland.net. Twilight Concerts at Renaissance are here. From Nuke's Eatery, Renaissance at Colony Park, and first commercial bank. Tickets are on sale now. Produced by Ratchet Entertainment Group and
0: Ardenland. No other news team covers the Magnolia State like Super Talk Mississippi News. On air with reports every hour and breaking news as it happens. Your news all the time, on air and online at supertalk.fm. Gallo. Gallo. Shapiro. Shapiro. And now Bongino. Gino. So what's up? If you want to work at Super Talk, your name's got to end at an O. Dan Bongino. It may make you feel good. Tonight at 11 on Super Talk Mississippi.
5: The signals are given.
0: This is the JT show with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: Seagulls. That's sort of just... It's like poster child for the 80s music.
3: That period of time. Or at least Aquanet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the only way you get that hair to stay that way. <laughs> Had the paratrooper
1: pants on, you know, I can still see it. Make-A-Wish Wednesday. When a child is diagnosed with a critical illness, life will never be the same. All that feels normal is disrupted. Make-A-Wish Mississippi's mission is to give back a piece of their childhood. During these challenging times, wishes need you more than ever. Tune in each Wish Wednesday to hear inspirational stories of hope from Wish families. Then make life-changing wishes come true by going to ms.wish.org and clicking on the donate button. Special thanks to Mississippi Sports Medicine, our World Wish Day partner. Thanks for that. So um, you know the there's three, three verdicts for one crime. And that it is a complicated legal situation. And to some extent, of course, he, he could have been convicted on all three, on one or two or none. And and so that's how that that situation works, but it, it is a little weird and I I mean I haven't paid enough attention, I guess, to criminal trials in this case to really know um, But it is kind of a question, how how does one crime meet the definition of three separate? And and you explain that, and and the jury obviously decided that this one crime did satisfy the requirements for all three charges. It's the, I guess the DA, right? Or was it the AG in this case? Seems like Ellison, the AG, he got involved. I don't exactly remember the chronology, but I guess it would be the DA that files the charges in the suit. Um, but it's interesting interesting uh, law, for sure. <laughs> um, what I would say is that regardless of what you think, guilty, not guilty, et cetera, on one or all of the charges. I think you have to take a step back and observe the justice systems in, in the system in this country and conclude that it did its job. It it worked. You may disagree with it, but the justice system worked. And you know, my personal opinion is the event and what Officer Chauvin did was abhorrent. And I think we have to also bear in mind that almost universally, if not universally, across the law enforcement community, they would agree that it was abhorrent and is not an accurate depiction and reflection of law enforcement in this country. The left wants you to believe that that's happening by the thousands every day. I mean, there literally are people out there that think that there are thousands of black Americans being hunted down by police officers and law enforcement and, and just murdered, killed. And it's not true. The data easily refutes that. It's not even close to true. But that's what they want you to believe. And from that, I think they derive power and money. It's an industry, unfortunately. It's sick that it's become an industry, in my view. But there are those who benefit and profit from the chaos, from the victimhood. I think that's bad. But I do believe our system worked. And you have to take a step back and credit the system which, despite its flaws, is better, is the best on the planet, by far. I don't see what you could say was unfair about the court proceedings, the suit, the justice system. I don't know that anybody could look at that and say that was just unfair. Now, whether or not any... um, I
3: the think ju- the only question of fairness in the whole trial is it seems like the judge had a timetable he wanted to stick to, and it didn't matter what happened. He was going to get it done in a certain amount of time. But proving that, that's tough.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think that m- most of us, we only see judges when they're involved in these trials like this. That's actually a small fraction of their normal work, their norm- their normal course of work. It's not big trials. I don't think any of them like it because it it consumes their time, court time. They understand it's their duty, it's their responsibility, and I don't know that. In this case, yeah, he did seem to want to keep the thing on schedule. I don't, I don't know that I would view that as influencing the outcome in
3: any way. I don't, That's why I mean, it'd be tough to to prove that it yeah, had any influence.
1: I think the main thing you would say that. That would have had influence is if any of these jurors actually heard and were aware of the comments made by the president.
3: Which that's another thing. The I mean, a Maxine lot of people have made Waters. a note that the jury wasn't sequestered. And that's true. That's another thing that will likely come up on appeal is the lack of sequestering in the in the jury. But they're also not off the hook for the trial. They still have to Commit to deciding any aggravating circumstances, from my understanding. Yeah. I think they passed the, they hand down the verdict and then they've got to hang out some more and deal with any aggravation that would lead to a greater sentence.
1: Yeah. Now they were sequestered for their deliberation. For the deliberation. And I think that's when Biden made, I know it was, when he made his comment because it was the same day, uh, right? So. But for the
3: entirety of the trial, they were not um, correct. They weren't, and that and they were instructed not to watch the news yeah, and not right. to do that kind of stuff. But so the question is: Did
1: they were they aware of Maxine's comment? Because they weren't sequestered at the time she made that comment. Right? She made that before he sent them back to the room. Uh, but you know, is this a mistake potentially on the part of the judge? In a case like this, some lawyers, Alan Dershowitz, for example, the famed Harvard lawyer who uh, is a Democrat but um, is very straightforward and very fair in his analysis, and I think he said yesterday, "This was a mistake on the judge's part. In a case like this, they should have sequestered these guys from the beginning. Tough deal." And nobody likes that when they're on a jury, of, of course. But So we'll see how that plays out. Now, I do have a text here from uh, the 662 region on the C Spire text line. Tax evasion, so he must be a murderer. Well, I need to clarify. That's not what I said. But the guy's committed a felony. It, he's been charged with a felony. Well, he and his wife. And his estranged wife. Wife. wife, yeah.
3: Which aren't they so, technically divorced now? I, I think, think They so. did get a divorce? I'm simply... Calling so it, it attention well to it, it very well could be all on her, but because they were married, it's on him too.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you can't you can't plead that in court when you're not filing your tax returns. You can't say, right. "Well, I just didn't know." Uh, that won't that won't fly. So as a defense, so I'm simply pointing out the fact that there's something fishy, in my opinion. Does that mean he's a, he should be convicted of murder? Absolutely not. Those are two separate matters, completely, totally. And, and I don't uh, support that.
3: I, and if I'm not mistaken, I don't think that was brought up at all in the trial. It was it, not. Yeah.
1: And I want to say that may have been uh, clearly instructed by the judge early on, because that wasn't on trial. And this guy, by the way, he didn't have any history, to my knowledge, of any sort of violent activity. Uh, such as this, but let, let's face it. What what shut the door on this case before they ever even tried it was that video. You can't unsee it, and the the plaintiffs' attorneys, the prosecution, were wise in referring to that video, the nine-minute video, which they—that's how they always described it. So you get a feel for the length of time that the, the altercation ensued. But I think seven times or something in their closing arguments, they referred to the video. You can't unsee it. So this is a situation, I'll point out, where technology, technology was instrumental into what will be maybe one of the most pivotal lawsuits in our nation's history. Imagine if there were no video. Could have been a totally different outcome. Oh, Kung Fu Fighting bumps us out of of this segment. We'll come back on the JT Show. We got the final segment, first hour, straight ahead.
18: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, sunny skies, high near 62. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 40. Your Thursday, sunny skies, high near 69. Thursday evening, a 20% chance of showers, mostly cloudy, low around 49. And for your finally Friday, cloudy skies, high near 68. This weather forecast has been brought to you by our friends at RJ's Outboard Sales and Service at 1208 Old Fannin Road. RJ's Outboard Sales and Service, your Yamaha Outboard dealer in Brandon.
4: Turning 65 or new to Medicare? Get a zero dollar premium Medicare plan. Zero, zip, zilch. Humana can help making getting care more affordable with our zero dollar premium plans. You'll enjoy all the benefits you've come to expect and more. Your dollar already has enough to do. Helping you with the budget is only right. To learn more, call 601-605-5130 to speak to your local Humana sales agent.
16: This was the opening agri market report. At the opening of the New York Cotton Exchange, July cotton was up 50 to 85.67. October cotton was up 59 to 84.84. The opening of the Chicago Board of Trade July soybeans were up 12 and a quarter to 14.70 per bushel. August soybeans were up 11 and a quarter to 14.24 and a quarter per bushel. July corn was up 7.5 to 5.99 and a half per bushel. September corn was up 5 and a quarter to 5.52 and a half per bushel. At the Mercantile, June live cattle was down 85 to 118.35. August live cattle was down 80 to 118.60. August feeders down 75 to 153.80. September feeders down 85 to 155.32. And at this hour, the Dow Jones is up 174 points, 33,995. I'm Dixon Williams, and this is the Talk Mississippi Agri-News Network.
8: Well, if you ask me, there's only one way to handle agribusiness insurance. It's got to be personal. You know, the way Triangle Insurance does it. They make a point to come visit my business and do an annual risk assessment every year. And they make sure everything's covered correctly. Yeah, an email can't see what you're going
11: through, right? It's got to be face-to-face. Triangle Insurance. We write agribusiness insurance right. To learn more, call 800-894-5020.
0: With everything you need to take on your day, wake up with Gallo tomorrow on 97.3 FM, Super Talk Mississippi. You're hearing the JT Show with Gerard Gibbert. Now, now on to the real part.
12: Dynamite
0: on Super Talk Mississippi.
11: And it's an only child. It's my reputation. It's something more than what. I know it's me right, but I can't sleep at night. Welcome back
1: to the JT show, Super Talk, Mississippi. Gerard and Rhino in the studio on this. Hump day. Alright, so on the C text line, he shouldn't be an officer of the law if he has been charged with a felony. Yeah, so he uh, agree. He was charged with this. I
3: agree if it's
1: convicted. Well, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure what the rules are. I, my guess is those are administrative rules and personnel rules. I'm pretty sure
3: it comes down to each Policy. individual department. But I, right. I would think doesn't matter where you are. If you're convicted of a felony, then, yeah, you're off the force. But just being charged, charged. I don't see Correct. how you could. Right. A person...
1: Right. There should be no consequences, in my view, for in, in terms of employment, for being charged with something. Because it's innocent until proven guilty. Exactly. That's the way the system works. Consistent with our laws. So, And the private sector should follow that. Unfortunately, some don't, especially when there's... Well, how about what happened last week with uh, um, Dante... What's his name? Uh, that That incident, right, where the mayor indicated that the city manager should be, or was it the city manager said, that's what it was, said that the officer should be entitled to due process, and then the council mayor let the city manager go. Now, under their, he wasn't charged with anything, and under their HR policies, it may be at will employment, they let him go for nothing. But it's obviously curious that right after that statement was made, which is a reasonable, rational statement, everybody's entitled to due process. Derek Chauvin got due process. But but let's uh to clarify, these charges these charges were filed last July. Okay, so I mean he was already terminated was he not off the force at that or time? at least on
3: leave at that point yeah, yeah put on because this happened in may may what 20th?
1: 20th yeah he was uh i guess placed on inactive status or what have you so anyhow that's kind of dante right thank you um So, Rusty in Greenville says, not everything is a conspiracy. I can only conclude from your statement that you, sir, are part of the vast conspiracy to distribute disinformation to keep the public in the dark. Don't you just love circular logic? You caught us. (laughs) He says, I'm not paranoid, it's just that everyone hates me and they're all out to get me. I hear you, Rusty, thank you. Oh, so...
3: Yeah, we have to wait every single day for the guy in the black tuxedo with dark shades and the earpiece to show up and hand us the briefcase full of all the stuff we're allowed to talk about.
1: <laughs> Derek in Greenwood says, Chauvin immediately stood and calmly placed his hands behind his back. Imagine where we'd be had George done the same. I, and I agree. And That's a conversation
3: nobody wants to
1: have. I totally agree. And the people who need to be having that conversation, who who need to deliver that advice and instruction are the ones that are calling for confrontation, and I hope we get the right verdict, because me and you and most of our listeners, we can say this, they ain't listening to us.
3: 999 times out of a thousand, if you just get arrested when you're arrested, you just get arrested.
1: Correct. That's absolutely right. Now, is that... An excuse or a justification for what Chauvin did? No, it it just indicates that the outcome would have been different, and likely would have never had him on the ground with a knee on his neck. Uh, more than likely, I mean, it's uh, highly probable. Uh, let's put it that way. So, and you could you could point to that situation. So, who was it? Dante Wright ran
3: right. He ran. Went back into the vehicle and attempted to flee. And then, okay. after being shot, fled. Fled. Okay. And then the 13 year old in the alley was running.
1: Was running with a gun. But now they're saying, but he dropped the gun. And then yesterday, was there not an incident with a girl, 13 year old girl?
3: I think she's wielding 16, a knife. But yeah, she was. In the act of 16, stabbing yeah. another girl, when the officer fired, fifteen, I think thirteen is Dante, right? If I'm not
1: mistaken, no, thirteen was the guy in the alley. Thirteen yeah, was the guy Wright in the 20. alley. Twenty, right? Let's get that right. The the guy in the alley, thirteen. The I think this was a fifteen year old girl, if I'm not mistaken. But but you know, there's nuts out there on
3: Twitter that are saying, "Well, these are teenagers. This is what they do. They get knife fights. Just let them go, huh?" Oh, yeah, I mean, on the video of that one, you've got so you didn't have to shoot her, she's just a kid, and the cop goes, she was stabbing somebody. They're trying to justify that. They're
1: trying to, to ascribe, well, they're just teenagers, just, you know, playful teenagers.
3: Do people think the the Michael Jackson music videos were documentaries? <laughs> That's nuts, isn't it? They're this just... ain't the Jets versus the Sharks
1: they're just mischievous with a with a knife in somebody else's torso good grief speaking of human dignity respect for life where are you we got to take a break we'll come back we got senator daniel sparks joining us stay with us the news is next
0: You're listening to WFMN Flora Jackson, Super Talk, Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Barone Tree Pros, 601 345 8090.
15: Fox News, I'm Nillian Wu. Minneapolis policing practices under scrutiny after former officer Derek Chauvin is convicted of murdering George Floyd. The
20: investigation I am announcing today will assess whether the Minneapolis Police Department engages in a pattern or practice of using excessive force, including during protests.
15: That's Attorney General Merrick Garland, Britain's Queen Elizabeth, on social media making her first public statement since her husband's funeral. In
6: a message marking her 95th birthday today, Queen Elizabeth II says it's been a comfort to see and hear tributes paid to her husband, Prince Philip, who died earlier this month. She said the royal family is in a period of great sadness, but has been deeply touched by the support and kindness people have shown.
15: Fox's Simon Owen. America's listening to Fox News.
14: I'm Kelly Bennett, and you're listening to Supertalk Mississippi News. There are still close to 20 bills awaiting Governor Tate Reeves' signature, and the deadline is midnight tomorrow. Even if he doesn't sign, they still become law. During a visit to the Paul Gallo show on Supertalk Mississippi this morning, he was asked about possible vetoes.
19: should be left to uh, things that are of such importance uh, that it is a a battle worth fighting. In, In other words, if I were one of 122 members in the House of Representatives, uh, I would have voted against a lot of this stuff <laughs> um, because I, I didn't. I don't know that it's necessarily um, necessarily the, the right policy.
14: He didn't sign the Medicaid tech bill because it had provisions he believes will handcuff the Division of Medicaid and run up costs. The body of a six-crew member from the capsized lift boat off the Louisiana coast has been recovered. There were 19 people aboard the Corps Power when it capsized last Tuesday. Six men were rescued. Seven remain unaccounted for. wgemployerservices.com Sports betting in Mississippi is hitting a home run. The Gaming Commission reports over $50 million in wagers in March of this year compared to just over $10 million in March of last year. The highest wagers are coming from North Mississippi. You hear about a nursing shortage, but there's also a nursing educator shortage. A grant awarded to UMMC could help. Awarded by the Bauer
10: Foundation, the nearly $4 million grant will allow 64 registered nurses to enter the university's RN to MSN program to address the need for additional nursing educators at the state's community colleges. Along with several other factors, in 2019, over 80,000 applicants nationwide were turned away from both graduate and undergraduate nursing programs due to a lack of faculty.
14: For more information, find us online at supertalk.fm. I'm Kelly Bennett.
5: Confidence, peace of mind, a way forward. During
3: tough times, these are the things we all want. And with the personalized help of a Trustmark
5: relationship manager, it's something we can find together. That's why Trustmark is standing by business owners. No matter what challenges you may be facing, we are here with a suite of financial services to help you find a path forward. Learn
10: more at trustmark.com slash business. This is Jake Mangum for Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance. One of the most underrated attributes in baseball is determination. It's one thing to want to do something and another altogether to get it done. That's why I love the team at Farm Bureau. They get the job done every single time. If you aren't already on the team, it's time to join Farm Bureau. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance. Or find a local agent at msfdins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team.
15: Tune in to Good Things with me, Rebecca Turner. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Weekdays from 2 to 3 p.m. Right here on Supertalk Jackson 97.3. And
0: now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Welcome to Real Talk, for real Mississippians. Informed, engaging, and always brutally honest. Welcome to the JT Show with Gerard Gibbert on Supertalk Mississippi, the Supertalk app, and at supertalk.fm. And now, here's Gerard Gibbert.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to J.T. Show. Super Talk Mississippi, Gerard and Rhino on this.
3: Hump day.
1: Indeed, it is. Joining us now in the studio, a friend of the program, the Senator from District 5 in Mississippi. That's Itawamba, Prentice, Tishomingo Counties, the Vice Chairman of the Senate Corrections Committee, Senator Daniel Sparks. Morning, Senator. Good morning. It's good to be with you, Joy. Good to have you as well. So, wanted to uh, get you in. So much stuff going on out there, but we can't lose sight of the fact that uh, the session is signy die, and there's legislation that is pending the governor's signature that it passed the uh, the
21: chambers there, and the deadline tomorrow, I think? I, I believe the deadline, almost all of it, is tomorrow. Uh, I had listened to the governor this morning. He, yeah. he was on Gallo, and, and I think that was the same. Of course, they have a lot of bills to go through. One of the biggest, uh, I guess, in numerical um, perspective is are the appropriation bills in, right. in each agency. And so I know they have to go through that and, and address those. And, and each um, each bill has a timing aspect. If we're still in session and a bill is sent over, I think they have five days to sign. But once we've reached uh, within five days of the end of session, sign die, then uh, there are 15 days, not counting Sundays. So, you know, since most of the appropriation bills get thrust upon them right at the end, uh, I'm sure they need all of those 15 days to kind of work their way through those bills.
1: Yeah, it's a lot, it um, and but it does seem like I didn't do a count, did it? Didn't do a check on this, but it seems like we had fewer pieces of legislation flow through than we normally do
21: on we, average. I think we did, and and again. Um, with it being just year two for me and, and last year being such an odd year, um, you get a lot of bills that, that get refiled. And I, and I have some bills that, that I will refile next year that sure. maybe, for whatever reason, didn't uh, didn't make it through the process completely. But uh, but I think the, the Speaker and uh, the Lieutenant Governor had encouraged the members, and I think the members understood under the circumstances, not to uh, just file a lot of, uh, and, and I won't call them frivolous bills, but bills that maybe weren't timely yeah. under the circumstances.
1: Yeah, I understand, and and it just didn't. Uh, you got to pro, you got to triage them out. That's right. They get prioritized, and you know that's kind of what we heard on some of the more, I guess, higher profile legislation. Um, the tax reform bill is one that uh, I think over on the Senate side, the thought was. There's just other stuff we got to work on right now. We'll we'll
21: we'll come back revisit this and take a little time to digest it. And and I think that's that's a very good point. And, and there were a couple of things. Of course, we had Inflex uh, yeah. that got through the Senate again, and and for whatever reason didn't make it out of the House. Inflex is very important because it is our. Uh, small business development, in my opinion, that also goes toward big business. But uh, the good work that MDA does, and, and a lot of the business development people, is generally focused on large, large employers. But with Inflex, you could set down, and within you know fifteen to. 30 minutes, you would know what the benefits would be if you relocated a division of your business to Mississippi. So, you know, we're hopeful that that comes through next year. Uh, I, I'm clearly supportive of, of tax reform. I think it's something that always should be on the table. I think there is a, a very concerning issue that's underlying. All of our revenue upticks because you know anytime revenues up, everybody's like, "Well, you know, this is the people's money. You need to return it back to them." Sure, and I agree. And there were triggers that were talked about that we were only going to cut the income tax as it relates to triggers. Two things: one is we were not cutting the income tax; we were raising the exemption, mm-hmm. and there is a difference. And, right. and we don't want to. In my opinion, I want to cut the rates because if you raise the exemption, the state's still holding your money for twelve months, and they mm-hmm. issue you a refund. And if you are an itemizer, when you count that the next year on your uh, federal income tax schedule, you actually would be taxed then federally on that refund. So it, yep. it gets in the weeds. But to be straight up about it, my biggest concern is so much of the tax revenue increase we've had in the state of Mississippi could be directly attributable to the infusion of federal dollars yeah. that cannot continue. And you know what comes after all of this infusion, and it's called inflation. And so my encouragement would be when we're looking at triggers, we're also going to have to look at CPI. We have to look at the increase in the consumer price index. You look right now at even the cost of materials if you wanted to try to buy you know, a 2 before 4 piece of plywood. We, we've got concerns on the inflation side. Uh, all of those things need to be factored in. We had talked about trying to do a study committee as it related to the tax and Often when people hear study committee, they hear kick the can down the road. I I don't view it that way, and I certainly don't think uh, the folks in the Senate view it that way. It's to literally dig into it and say, in these times, which are somewhat unprecedented, uh, certainly in my lifetime, is that we make good decisions for the future of Mississippi for the taxpayers, and I would like to see us uh, be able to cut the personal income tax, but we definitely need to uh, evaluate what that means at every level. I understand, and
1: uh, hopefully that will... Take, the play, take its place as a high priority in the legislature next year. I think, it, it, it. Philip Gunn said a couple of weeks ago when he was on the program, it is his number one issue, certainly over on the House side. So hopefully the Senate will uh, come together and, and kind of elevate the status of that as well. I, I certainly support that. To your point about inflation, the report in the last 24 hours, not sure if you've seen it, Senator, but Procter & Gamble, uh, a huge maker of household products, is warning consumers right now expect higher prices this fall for some of its products, ranging from baby supplies like Pampers to feminine hygiene products such as Tampax said that in itself wouldn't cause alarm, except that P&G follows several other consumer goods companies that have also told shoppers,
21: brace for higher costs. And, and, you know, P&G's an industry leader. If I ask people to go down the list, you know, you start talking about Jeff, Sharman, uh, Bounty, uh, Tide. You can tell you used to be in the grocery business. Yeah. You know, those are all Procter & Gamble yeah, products. Yeah, like all that stuff. And if their prices go up, everybody else's prices are going to incrementally no follow. No question. And, you know, that's the concern. When people talk about, oh, let's raise the minimum wage. Uh, you know, first of all, I think the market sets wages. I think it should set wages. I think talent, ability, education, and that's why we push those things uh, to to get the training is because you determine what you make, not yeah. not some arbitrary you know governmental entity. Uh, but if you drive up the cost of goods through inflation, my. Uh, you know, my soft drink still costing ninety eight cents cost me a dollar fifty. I have less buying power. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the reality. That's what we're facing right now. One of the biggest concerns. Yeah, and I'm seeing uh, small business owners talk about their struggles as as you're well
1: aware of getting people to just come to work because they're living off the government and as I've said on the air on the program before, these business owners are competing with a government. For the job for jobs, it's like, do I go work or do I live off the government, which is insane to think about that.
21: And and, and in my opinion, let's call it what it is. It is sticking your toe in the water for universal basic income yeah. and which I oppose. I, I think that there is dignity in work. Uh, there is is certainly the exceptionalism that that is this country is not based on what the government has passed out, but it's based on the freedoms to go pursue the best and the brightest and the greatest idea and you know when you go out and pursue sometimes you fail and that's part of a free society and the government wants to step in and say we don't want anyone to fail right and therefore you'll have no exceptionalism if if you don't have that risk and it's it's concerning we we have people yesterday i was in boonville and uh... prentice county uh, development uh, authority had a um, industry appreciation day mm-hmm. and I appreciate the fact he he asked at one point is any industry in here um, you know seeking employees and everybody's hand went up sure. you know that they would hire tomorrow and, and, and we literally are competing against unemployment benefits unemployment benefits have a place. That is an insurance that is paid through premiums in case the unforeseen happens, which did happen with COVID. I had many industries in in my district that had to close due to COVID protocols, and people rely on the money, and it was a very good thing. That's what it is intended for. But this continuation is, is, is ridiculous, to be honest, and it is counterproductive. And it also shows an open state like Mississippi, and I give Governor Reeves credit. He has, in my opinion, pushed us to be as open as we can be in our houses of worship, mm-hmm. uh, in our uh, workplace, and even in our you know social aspects. And we're working here. But when you're being encouraged not to work, uh, it, it causes difficulty throughout the system. But we uh, 1,200 jobs yesterday announced coming with Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Too, to to the state of Mississippi. We are excited about that. If if you are not able to find work in the state of mississippi right now I, i'm real concerned about you know how diligent you're seeking it because in my district i can tell you there are employers looking i think in tishomingo county and i hope i've got this right there's an email that came out uh... from the development authority five hundred jobs in tishomingo county or wow. or they're seeking five hundred people to work right now
1: Wow, it, it's across the board across the spectrum of industries but when so this is the thing about inflation that that I think often gets overlooked. When you got people that are staying at home because they're getting these outsized unemployment benefits, that means that employers have to pay more
21: to get employees to come into work, and that's inflationary. It's, you're driving up the cost of yeah. labor, which drives up the cost of goods, which makes our dollar worth less.
1: So it's government policy that's hitting us all in the in the back pocket. It's not good. We got to take a break right here. You can hang with us. We'll yes, talk sir. about Absolutely. some uh, criminal justice reform and uh, Initiative sixty-five. Yes, when we turn back, stay with us. Senator Daniel Sparks is our guest in the studio on the JT Show.
18: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, sunny skies, high near 62. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 40. Your Thursday, sunny skies, high near 69. Thursday evening, a 20% chance of showers, mostly cloudy, low around 49. And for your finally Friday, cloudy skies, high near 68. This weather brought to you by No-Drip Roofing and Construction. With rain coming, let us show you what the No-Drip difference is all about. No-Drip Roofing and Construction, online at NoDripMS.com.
2: Mississippi Braves baseball is back and will welcome fans to Trust Mark Park beginning Tuesday, May 4th at 6.35 p.m. Get ready for the return of Thursday Thursday. Premium giveaway items every Friday night, post-game fireworks on Saturdays, and matinee baseball each Sunday. Season tickets, flex plans, group outings, suite nights, and partnership opportunities are available now by calling 601-932-8788 or by visiting Mississippi Braves. See the next generation of Atlanta Braves stars like Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna Jr., and more right here at Trustmark Park. Baseball returns on Tuesday, May 4th. Mississippi Braves baseball. Let's play.
10: I wish there was a place where we could sample wines before we buy. There
17: is. Colony Bistro and Wine Bar just opened right next door to Colony Wine Market in Madison. They have 32 wines by the glass, wine flights, and the food is terrific.
10: Yes, get your purse, sweetie. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Umphlet with Capital Dental. We at Capital Dental want you to be confident in a bright and healthy smile that you can be proud of. We provide teeth whitening to brighten your
13: smile. Book your appointment today at CapitalDentalInc.com. Capital Dental, located in Northeast
20: Jackson on Lakeland Drive.
8: Across. Be sure to catch Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for the best sports coverage right here in the Magnolia State, every day from 3 until 6, right here on Super Talk Jackson 97.3. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: let's hear it. Let's hear it. Now, 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 back to the JT Show with Gerard Gibbert and Rhino on Super Talk Mississippi.
22: Mississippi.
20: Out the corner of my eye, I saw a pretty little thing approaching me.
13: She said, I never seen a man who looks so all alone. Or could you use a
11: little company?
1: If
13: you're
3: That's a first. You played that before? Oh, yeah. Mm. Little Cage the Elephant. The only listenable song on the whole album. <laughs> Let's not
1: play the rest of it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Senator Daniel Sparks, our guest in the studio, he's from up there in Appalachia, in uh, the northeastern part of the state. And, by the way, you got uh, one of our listeners, Jason. Uh, he texts in and says... He's from Ayuka, I guess. He says, "Forget politics or the brim beds going in at Tishomingo
21: State Park." That's what he wants to know. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> that, it's a great segue. Uh, you know, we we had uh, I have Tishomingo State Park and J.P. Coleman State Park in Tishomingo County, which is my home county. Yeah. And we had a big debate on parks this year uh, about funding sources and yeah. and uh, you know and when people say privatization, I don't want to be afraid the parks are being sold off to some private entity. We were talking about management groups to come in and look at it, and uh, Chairman Whaley at Wildlife Park's on our side of it, uh, we looked at doing, again, a study committee because I didn't think we were in a position, and he didn't either, that was ripe to enter into agreements and contracts. And I do practice law uh, now, and and. I want to see these contracts and agreements because if somebody's going to come in and, and work on our parks and make them better, uh, we we need to we need to read the fine print. I'm sure. sorry, I'm not going to take them at their word, but sure. Uh, uh, but that's you know one of the things we did do. There was three and a half million dollars that was set aside for parks that will be a federal match, and uh, of course there was talk about a wildlife trust fund. And, again, I think a little premature, and I think there's a concern where the money would go. Uh, You know, one of the things we need to make sure that we do, whether it's legislation or it's an initiative, uh, voter initiative issues, we need to be more honest with people with what the bill actually does or what the law actually does. And I think sometimes that's the frustration for me. I want to make sure that I – tell people fairly what it does, and they may disagree with the position I take, but I don't want to be in a position where we have said one thing and did another. You know, you're so right about that, because often these bills,
1: they, they tend to uh, get misconstrued, and then they get a life of their own, and, and folks run with it. And the next thing you know, everybody thinks that a piece of legislation includes certain provisions, uh, and it's not true. But it's it's just gotten circulated so widely and spread so much and just discussed so much that it almost becomes
21: internet fact, you know, by virtue of spreading. Uh, that's correct, and you know, the, the Governor Reeves was on this morning with uh, discussions on Senate Bill 2795, which is a parole eligibility bill, yeah. and I thought he did a great job addressing what it does not do. Uh, there, there was a lot of concern from uh, prosecutors, law enforcement, and, and I always try to tip my hat to law enforcement. It, it's such a difficult uh, time for them and the job that they do, and I appreciate what they do, and anytime we have a bill that is labeled criminal justice, I, yeah. I want them to know uh, that we also understand where they're coming from and and the difficulties that they face. But this parole situation, it does not grant parole to people convicted of murder, murder one or murder two. It does not grant new parole eligibility to any sex offender. It does yep. not and, and a couple of things that it does, I think that's uh, it does not grant any parallel to be to habitual offenders. I will be addressing that again next year. I think there's concerns with our habitual laws. I do think they need to be adjusted. And I think a lot of people in the law enforcement and uh, in the prosecutorial community would agree we just gotta get the language right. But uh, with with twenty seven ninety five there's a couple of things in it that do not get talked about very much and one is that if someone has a crime of violence and they are going to be considered for parole they must have a hearing so so we allow a victim to be heard but two things that 2795 does it mandates a hearing and it mandates that the victim or their designee has a right to be heard, not noticed, but okay. heard. So that's, I think that's very important. If you're going to consider someone for parole, that's not a release. You're going to consider them, that all parties are able to voice their opinion. Uh, then another thing that the bill does is human trafficking, and that's been a big issue with uh, the actually the Republican Women's Group across the state for the last several years, uh, human trafficking is a day for day crime under twenty seven ninety five. We we take that out of a uh, another category and say, look, if you're trafficking in human beings, uh, you, you you need to do every day of the sentence that's put before you. And and so that's two or three things that are on the victim side of the coin in this bill uh, that we also always want to make sure is out there. So that's
1: important, though, uh, Senator, that the victim or someone who represents them has a
21: right. To
1: appear, right? Is that's that correct. at that's the good. proceeding by is, is, the
21: parole board? That's right. And, and it's uh, you know, in in my sur- and I've had a lot of conversations with the folks on the parole board as well. And, and these are people that are uh, appointed by the governor and are then advised and consented by the Senate. Yeah. But you know, assuming that that I have committed a crime of violence against someone, there's a victim out there, and I get a sentence. And let's say I get 20 years, and after 10 years, 50% of my sentence, I would be eligible for parole. Now, that's going to be based on my participation, following my case plan, uh, doing programming. But that victim is going to be notified, and, and if 10 years later the victim says, you know, I, I don't think Daniel has, has served enough time for this, I think you ought to continue to stay in there, the victim has a right to be heard. And I think they should. So the point here is, though, because I know there's a lot of confusion about this, is this does not trigger
1: an auto- automatic release or shorten the sentence. That's right. It just gives a tool – uh, to the parole board and and we have to rely on the parole board to do the right thing make the right decision and evaluate every case on its own
21: that's correct and in the in the commissioner uh, commissioner burrow Kane, has has done some tremendous work in the in the last few months and very difficult circumstances. And this is a uh, tool also for the Department of Corrections to use to encourage behavior to say, hey, look, yeah. you, you have eligibility, and that's going to be based on your compliance with the rules. And and I brought this up on the floor of the Senate. The first part of the parole bill is one who has observed the rules. Then we go to minimum time or percentages. So I, I think it's you know I appreciate what the governor had to say today, and and I do. Think there's a lot of good things in the bill, and and uh, we tried to try to address the concerns across the board. Yeah,
1: and so this is uh, we're just trying to. It doesn't make sense to lock up nonviolent criminals that have acted good, behaved well while they're incarcerated, and if in the opinion of the uh, the parole board. Uh, they are positioned and, and ready to reenter society. It doesn't make sense for us to keep paying for them to lock them up.
21: That's true, and, and it's true across the board for prisoners that are parole eligible. And there's another thing, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before the break. Our uh, workforce participation rate in this state is one of the lowest in the country. It is. And we have people that are incarcerated that if the programming is in place and the job training, we have people that if you come out with the welding certificate or other things that, that are available to them and will be available to them through the programming, now we have people that are going from costing the taxpayers' dollars if they have shown that they are ready to reenter to society and we have in the interim given them a skill, trade, et cetera, then they're going to come out and they're going to help in that regard as well, support their family, uh, pay fines if they have them, things of that nature. So, yeah. So again, gotta rely on the parole board. That's right. To do
1: the right, right, right thing, the legislature is just this just co- conveys a tool to them
21: yeah. essentially. Hundred percent correct. And you know, the legislature conveys tools, and if those tools are not used properly, the legislature can come back sure. and tweak those things. It's a little different when you put it in the Constitution. Sure, I, under- uh, I understand. And that has been the discussion as it relates to. Initiatives, and I know Initiative sixty-five is hot on everybody's, uh, you know, radar. Nice segue. Hey, thank you. It, it, but, Speaking of Constitution, <laughs> but but it it is tough because you know there are laws we pass that human error can enter in, that there's something, hey, we didn't get a word right, or, or yeah. d- this didn't. This was not interpreted as we thought it would be, and the legislature can fix it the next term. When we put something in the Constitution through initiative, and, and I respect the people's right uh, to petition for redress in the sense of uh, a constitutional initiative, and it is a constitutional privilege that is there, yep. a right that is there. But the concern I have, it goes back to the transparency issue earlier, I, it, as it relates to initiatives in general because we've got about a half a dozen things right now that everybody says, hey, we're going to go to the initiative side of the aisle because we don't like what the legislation has been on a particular issue. Um, When we put something in the Constitution, it is not going to be changed unless it is changed through a separate and unique constitutional initiative. And as it relates to 65, I'm going to say something here today that may not be popular. couple of minutes. Okay. Uh, I don't know where 74% came from. Somebody needs to tell me, because if you pull the recapitulation report on 65, 50 yeah. 50- 7.89 percent of the people voted for initiative 65 it's not 74 percent in my district it's underwater I've looked at the numbers hmm. if you factor it out for Republicans I happen to be a Republican senator mm-hmm. it's underwater so yes people want a medical marijuana program and in the Senate we voted several times to try to give them one I don't know what the courts gonna do I think Justice Randolph made a great point that the law requires the statute mm-hmm. requires twenty-three seventeen seventeen requires that a copy Of the language of the initiative that you are going to put in the Constitution is attached to the petition. I don't think that it it was. It was five or six pages that would have to be attached to it. So, Hmm. as much as there are people who want Initiative sixty-five to become law, there are things in it as an attorney that trouble me. There is civil and criminal waivers, liability, basically waivers. You want to hang
1: and talk about it? I would love to. Okay,
21: we got Daniel
1: Sparks as our guest in uh, the studio. Stay with us. I'm happy.
18: hi I'm Shelby
16: with two men in a truck did you know that we aren't your regular moving company we are equipped to move you across the country or even as easy as across town call us today for a free quote at 601-853-9644 or at twominintatruck.com
22: your
0: window tent headquarters at auto trim designs on highway 80 and pearl is now also your best source for the lasting protection of expel paint protection film your car is too precious to fail to protect it from bugs rocks and road debris for more info go to Trim. Autotrim- designs.com.
14: I'm Kelly Bennett and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. There are still close to 20 bills awaiting Governor Tate Reeves' signature and the deadline is midnight tomorrow. Even if he doesn't sign, they still become law. During a visit to the Paul Gallo show on Super Talk Mississippi this morning, he was asked about possible vetoes.
19: Should be left to uh, things that are of such importance uh, that it is uh, a battle worth fighting and in, in other words if I were one of 122 members in the House of Representatives uh, I would have voted against a lot of this stuff <laughs> um, because I, I didn't I don't know that it's necessarily um, necessarily the, the right policy
14: he didn't sign the Medicaid tech bill because it had provisions he believes will handcuff the division of Medicaid and run up costs the body of a six crew member from the capsized lift boat off the Louisiana coast has been recovered there were 19 people aboard the Corps power when it capsized last Tuesday. Six men were rescued, seven remain unaccounted for.
0: Looking for Mississippi news online can be kind of frustrating.
17: This is news from Mississippi. County? Missouri?
0: Your Mississippi news. On air and online. Supertalk.fm
22: I'm Attorney General Lynn Fitch, and this is National Crime Victims' Rights Week. Last year, my office served over 2,200 crime victims. If you've been the victim of a crime, we can help you. Visit AttorneyGeneralLynnFitch.com.
11: <laughs> Properly set all controls before recording.
0: All systems go. Now, now, now back to the JT show with Gerard Gibbert and Rhino on Super Talk, Mississippi.
22: Mississippi.
1: Welcome back. The JT Show continues. Super Talk Mississippi. Malcolm from Tishomingo says, Tell Mr. Sparks thanks for his work in the Mississippi legislature and for representing Tishomingo County. William and Belmont says, Belmont loves Mr. Sparks.
21: Just just passing that on. Well, that is kind. I, I tell you, the uh, one of the Malcolms, it may not be the right one, but that may be Coach Kirkendall to me, uh, and, which huh. is a great segue to... Uh, talk about one other issue, if if you don't mind. Uh, it's one of the bills that we passed. It, it, it related to uh, athletics in the state. And uh, the Belmont Lady Cardinals this year yeah. became the 12-time state champion. Uh, in basketball, and just across the 10 Tom waterway, the new site, Lady Royals, <laughs> were also – they're the 2A state champions. Belmont was 3A state champion, and so uh, my my mom was a good basketball player there in Belmont huh. and many others who've passed through uh... that area have have learned a lot from these coaches and um, have done a great job in our community and so we we're proud to support their continued efforts whether it's at the high school level at the college level or you know anywhere in between Yeah, that's pretty cool
19: yeah.
1: uh... bringing home the goal there to, right. the, to the district so alright so we were talking about initiative sixty five and extrapolating lots of these numbers it's uh... it's not crystal clear I think it's safe to say how this data is presented. And so again I'm I'm looking at this of the 816,000 people who voted for approval of either measure, 766,000 voted for 65. So what that suggests but could you vote I can't remember, could you vote no? And then select
21: one of the measures? Yes. And and that's why I say the confusion. I will say this, Gerard, I think it is my opinion that a majority of mississippians desire a medical marijuana program i clearly want to acknowledge that but i do not like the representations that are made when you say 74 percent of the voters chose initiative 65 they did not uh it is clear if you look at the second question because the first question was in essence do you want a medical marijuana program in this state either 65 or 65a and there was a percentage And then uh, the second question is, I do not want a medical marijuana program. And then there were no votes. You didn't have to vote on this. But I can assure you, if you chose not to vote at all, you're still a voter. Because you voted on the ballot. You just chose not to vote on this issue. And therefore, you didn't choose 65. So let's just be fair about the numbers to start with. It is almost 58% of the people who voted in that election uh, chose Sixty-five. So people you know, who cast ballots, who cast a ballot, yeah, that's correct. And and so I I just want to be fair that that to me that's the way you would calculate votes. Okay. So Rhino, where did you get the seventy-three percent from?
3: Yeah, it comes out to seventy-three point three percent of those that voted for the measure for the for Mississippi ballot measure one, initiative sixty-five. Those that voted for initiative sixty-five comes out to seven hundred and sixty-six thousand four hundred seventy-eight votes, which is seventy-three point seven percent. The alternative garnered two hundred seventy-three thousand eight hundred five votes, which is twenty-six point three percent. It's seventy-three percent of the vote for the ballot initiative.
1: What's the denominator? To get seventy-six voted four sixty-five. That's the numerator. What's the denominator to come
3: up, denominator to come up seventy-three percent? Oh, it's one one nine one zero three eight. That's the total number that voted in the election, in that initiative, because the initiative only had to have forty percent of the total vote for it to be a valid initiative. So what's confusing, Senator, is this number 57
1: percent out adjacent to the 766 that voted for 65, 57 percent, what's the denominator
21: in that figure? Well, it would be the total number of people who voted in the election, which is about 1.3 million. Okay. So when you have, on the second question, between the two marijuana programs, which do you choose? Yeah. 58% chose Initiative 65. Yeah. Uh, whatever percentage you're looking at chose 65A. What is your percentage and number of people who refused to vote for either one? Yeah. And I assure you, those people did not want 65. They would not even vote for 65A. So the true number of Mississippians who ultimately voted for 65 <laughs> It's 58%. Yeah, it's 58% of the people that cast a ballot in the election. That is correct. correct. And, they, and, and they reject – then there's a lot – 10% of the people refuse to pick either program, which tells me they're a no. So yeah. I, I don't want – again, yeah. I concede that a majority of Mississippians want it. I just don't want people to continue to run out with 74% of the people who voted chose Initiative 65 because they didn't. But getting back to the part of it that, that, that troubles me more than just kind of – Uh, presenting. uh, Mark Twain has a great quote on statistics and figures, and I'll I'll leave that for another day. But um, in the code, there's statute, there's law Mm -hmm. that you have to abide by to do these things. And and Justice Randolph brought this up, I think. And there's two things I I would encourage people to look at as we move forward in the initiative process. I think the same thing was true in 42. Mm -hmm. We went out and tested people 42. in Initiative Forty Two. People were told this will make the state fully fund the MAP formula. Right. That is not what Initiative Forty Two said. Right. And I sat across the table after church one day from my dear sweet third grade school teacher and she looked at me and she said, I want to ask you a question. Now bear in mind I'm not an elected official yeah. at this point. She just said, I-, I want you to tell me what that does. And when I got through, she said, I thought so. So we went out with this narrative that it would fully fund MAEP. That's not what Initiative 42 said in its text. The same thing is true in 65. If you simply go out and tell someone this is for medical marijuana for sick people, yeah, what do you need six pages of text for then? Right. And And the question is, we're putting into the Constitution, not able to be changed, Fees, figures, prices, and a lot of people say, hey, this other program or whatever other program is going to be more expensive. We don't even know what the expenses are yet. We've turned it over to the Department of Health to have to address that. But uh, you have to put a true and correct. It says, actually, the statute says each sheet shall have a full, true and correct copy of the proposed measure. I can assure you if you go out and ask people who signed this petition, not many of them had six pages or five pages attached to the back of it. And uh, the code 231757 says that it is unlawful for any person who circulates or causes to be circulated an an initiative petition to obtain the signature by intentionally misleading such person. Now, I'm not saying somebody intentionally misled, but if it's five or six pages of text and you just tell me verbatim out of your mouth what you think it means, that's my concern as we move forward. the The court will rule how the court will rule, and that will be, you know, the law of the land. The, you yeah. know, we accept those consequences. But you know, we've already heard initiative being kicked up for this wildlife trust fund that didn't pass, for mm-hmm. early voting, for uh, Medicaid expansion, mm-hmm. and and so we always talk about we don't want to be like California. Mm-hmm. Well, California has this problem where it's there's as many initiatives on the ballot each year as there are. Um, you know, candidates. But what we want to know is that as we amend our constitution, we understand how important that is, right? And, and it's a right to the people, but not a right to be pushed around uh, just to address an issue that could be addressed another way. And also, you leave the legislature, you leave people like you know, Chairman Briggs Hobson at Appropriations or John Reed over on the House side to deal with the issues because if it's in the Constitution, we got to do it, right? And uh, you know, my concern, and, and you know, uh, the governor spoke today, Governor Reeves, about Medicaid expansion, and I I was presented some data, and I want to kind of verify that a little bit, that under one of the Biden recovery programs, that the people who are in that 130% to 158% of the poverty level, who everybody talks about this gap that Medicaid expansion is needed to cover, for the next two years, they're being reimbursed totally for that. Right. It would be crazy if that's true to expand Medicaid in the next two years when the premiums of an Obamacare premium would actually be subsidized by the federal government because insurance pays a greater uh, reimbursement to our hospitals to to, to healthcare Mm -hmm. than does Medicaid. And so it's real concerning if you're going to go out with a change to the Constitution and I think Chief Justice Randolph brought up the Second Amendment, I think it's 27 words. The 19th Amendment is 39 words. Mm We've got six pages of text. We need to be very careful about amending our Constitution.
1: Well, I hear you. Uh, I'm going to keep you around because I want to talk to you about that. I hear you, uh, but I think the problem is we don't have a mechanism in this state. California, on the other hand, does to make or uh, amend law. We don't. We only have a way to... Uh, amend our Constitution, as far as a citizen-initiated ballot measure. So there's a clear distinction there. A lot of other states are in the same but We are. A lot of other states are similar to California, so I think that causes a problem. But uh, we'll talk about it when we come back. i got some other thoughts on that. Appreciate it. Senator Daniel Sparks is our guest. Stay with us.
12: Batteries Plus, we do more than fix phones and tablets. We help our neighbors power their lives. Visit Batteries Plus in-store, curbside, and online to save on boat, RV, and motorcycle batteries. For offer details and limitations, visit BatteriesPlus.com. Are you ready for what is possibly the last lawnmower you will ever buy? If so, then you are ready for an Mark.
5: Sounds like a wonderful place, doesn't it? It surely will be. When complete, Camp Kamasa will be Mississippi's only year-round, fully handicap accessible camp facility for children and adults with special needs. The MTK Foundation invites you to join our online auction, Boots and Bling, benefiting Camp Kamasa April 24th from 6 to 8 p.m. Visit mtkfound.com or the MTK Foundation page on Facebook to register for this wonderful event benefiting a wonderful place.
16: This is the Midday market Report. The U.S. Senate is ready to move ahead with the Agricultural Climate Bill that has bipartisan support and backing from major agricultural lobbies. The Growing Climate Solutions Act was reintroduced Tuesday in the U.S. Senate by a larger bipartisan group of senators led by members of the Senate Ag Committee. Senators signed on to the bill include 17 Democrats and 17 Republicans. The chairwoman and ranking member of the Senate Ag Committee jointly announced they will mark up the bill in a Committee meeting on Thursday. Addressing the climate crisis is one of the most urgent challenges we face, and our farmers and foresters are an important part of the solution, says Senator Debbie Stabenow, the chairwoman of the Senate Ag Committee. The bill would create a program to help farmers qualify for a carbon credit program and certify those private carbon programs. Ideally, farmers would get paid for implementing climate smart practices. I'm Dixon Williams, and this is Super Talk, Mississippi Agri Network.
17: Twilight Concerts at Renaissance are back live. Saturday, April 24th. Starring the Almond Betts Band. With G-Love and Special Sauce.
10: She's
17: my Taz Hour, Cedric Burnside, The Vamps and more. It's a full day of music presented by Wicked Wheat Brewery for this socially distanced concert. Carefully. Tickets are on sale now at Ardenland.net. Twilight concerts at Renaissance are here. From Nuke's Eatery, Renaissance at Colony Park, and First Commercial Bank. Tickets are on sale now. Produced by Ratchet Entertainment Group and Ardenland.
6: This is Ben Shapiro reminding you to listen to The Ben Shapiro Show weekday nights starting at 9 p.m. here on 97.3 Super Talk Jackson.
0: Come on. You're hearing The JT Show with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk, Mississippi. Now, here's more.
1: Like the JT show continues, Super Talk Mississippi Senator Daniel Sparks, our guest in the studio. So, I, I honestly, I, I think we're kind of we're parsing out a lot of this data, which I appreciate and respect. And, and and like I said off the air, I think anytime you've got competing political factions with with um, uh, issues and positions, they're always going to sort of uh, contort shall we say, and extrapolate the data to present uh, numerical and statistical figures that, uh, of course, uh, benefit in uh, their positions. And, and th- I think that's what we have going on here. But The fact is, I think you're right. The vast majority, not the vast, the majority, let me, let me re- restate that, of Mississippians. I don't know how many it has to be for it to be vast, honestly. <laughs> but let's just say the simple majority of Mississippians, based on this vote, Support some form of program. The question is, what should that program look like? And there is a question, well, after we amend the Constitution, it's also possible to amend it again. But that requires going back to the ballot box,
21: right? You don't have a
1: way to do that just through the legislature,
21: through a bill. It it, it does. And and I would say, based on a lot of the arguments that were put before the Supreme Court as it related to the congressional districts and things of that nature, and I'm going to be very cautious to comment too much on things that are before the court. I, I don't think that's proper on my part, Sure, but uh, that the legislature should address the issues that were brought up that the legislature can't address, because yeah. in uh, the constitution, Constitutional Initiative language, the legislature is uh, given the duty, the responsibility, to um facilitate how this happens. So what we need to do, obviously, is is, is make it clear that if the people see fit to move through that process, that that there is a clear process that they can take, uh, but also you know, everyone should make great effort to be as educated as they can sure. on the issue that's coming before them. Not that every piece of legislation is not important. People call all the time about legislation. Uh, the, the reason I stress it as it relates to initiative is not any disrespect meant toward anyone. It is the um, inability to easily amend yeah. what goes into the Constitution versus a legislative issue that there's an error or a mistake uh, that we could come back the next year and, and, and make it whole.
1: All right. So a couple of things. Uh, uh, first, uh, simply, would you support, uh, Senator, a, a mechanism in our state that would allow the citizens via uh, citizen-initiated ballot uh, initiative measure to place a measure on the ballot, I should say, that would establish or amend law and not just, just require or, or be consistent with what we have today, which is only amend the Constitution? Do you would you support something like that like it exists in California
21: you know I would certainly look at that I have not studied the california process is is a piece of statutory law which yeah. ultimately is what they would right. be doing and I think what we did in in this case was engraft a lot of statutory law into a constitutional amendment yep. but uh would that be amendable by the people only or would it be amendable by the legislature because you know That's there's a good question yeah you know, there's actually there's there's carve outs. Even in the initiative process, there's certain things that you cannot do. So, right. you know, it may be that there's certain things that, that they can do. But what I also want to Like America, PERS, I think, is one uh, of them, It right? is one of yeah. them, and, and, and uh, affecting the Bill of Rights, right? you know, that's there. And uh, there's a lot of commentary right now about protecting the Second Amendment and things. We actually passed some legislation yep. a few years back that, you know, talked about from an executive order standpoint that, that, that you know, the state is not going to respond yep. to EOs, executive orders, you know, that violate our... You know, well, that
1: was a question about the sanctuary state. So, what does that mean exactly, though? So there's a lot of people say, "Well, why can't we get that done and and declare Mississippi a Second Amendment sanctuary state, and so forth, a Bill of
21: Rights sanctuary state?" What, what what does that mean from a practical perspective? Though? I, I don't. I'd have to look at the language of their legislation, but but I think the. I think we already are. I think that when we said we're not going to be governed by executive orders, you know, we're not going to let executive orders interfere with what are the rights of Mississippians. uh, I think that's that's the proper step. If federal law changes. Yeah. Then. We, you know, Supremacy Clause kicks in. You understand that, and, sure. and if you know, if they pass it through the federal delegation, you know, you can challenge it in the Supreme Court. But ultimately, the federal law is supreme. Um, you know, and I'm a staunch defender of the Second Amendment, and I believe that uh, all of all of those rights, uh, a lot of them, it hinges as long as we keep the Second Amendment. Well, what action um,
1: could the federal government to take just on the basis of of relying on an EO? For example,
21: well, I mean, I think that you know the, the, the president you know President Biden could sign anything he wanted to, yeah. as it relates to gun ownership, as it relates to you know, and, and, and sometimes I, I'm, I'm wondering if they know what a, uh, what letters and numbers stand for as it relates to guns, but they could they could pick out a certain type of weapon and say, you know by executive order, I say that this is illegal." Well, again, that's not law. That's gotcha. an executive order. And okay. I, think the, I think the legislature's already uh, protected Mississippi. So the, they, they would have no recourse. we got a second here. A recourse okay. against us? So the federal well, government can say, you're defying an executive order. We're taking it a court or something. Oh, they could certainly say that we're defying an executive order. But keep in mind, everybody that's got a marijuana program currently that's is true. defying federal law. Federal law. So How crazy. It's crazy. Okay. Appreciate
1: you coming in, Senator. Appreciate Thank you it. so much for yep. having me. You got. We'll be right back. Stay with
10: us. Every time I look around Every time I look around It's in my
0: face. You're listening to WFMN Flora Jackson Super Talk Mississippi powered by your tree professionals at Beroni Tree Pros online at beronistreepros.com
15: News, I'm Lillian Wu. Former officer Derek Chauvin convicted of murdering George Floyd. Now the system Chauvin was once part of is under scrutiny. The
20: Justice Department has opened a civil investigation to determine whether the Minneapolis Police Department engages in a pattern or practice of unconstitutional or unlawful policing.
15: Attorney General Merrick Garland saying good officers will welcome accountability and more details out on the Tesla crash in Texas Saturday night, which killed two occupants.
18: Including Dr. William Varner, a Houston area anesthesiologist. While witnesses tell police that the accident happened shortly after the victims left a house, saying they would test the Tesla's automated driving capability. Tesla CEO Elon Musk has said the car did not have the optional full self-driving feature, and that its autopilot was not engaged.
15: Fox's Jeff Manasso. America's listening to
5: Fox News. As locals, ADS Security is committed to keeping the community safe. We're the same great company, same local office, with the same local service you've counted on for years. Visit us in Gluckstadt. ADS Security. 601-898-3105. Call today.
14: I'm Kelly Bennett, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. A Madison police officer is recovering after being dragged by a vehicle during a traffic stop. He was responding to a shoplifting call at the Best Buy Tuesday when the suspect, Jarrell Stanton, pulled away, dragging the officer as he turned onto the on-ramp of I-55. The officer was able to free himself and suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Stanton crashed his vehicle before his arrest on multiple charges, including felony assault on a law enforcement officer. Madison County Deputy Brad Sullivan saved a kidnapping victim before he was shot in the line of duty in 2019, leaving him partially paralyzed. He's the Attorney General's honoree this Crime Victims Week for outstanding service.
22: He didn't hesitate. He put his life right out there and he saved that
14: victim's life. Attorney General Lynn Fitch explained to Super Talk Mississippi that this week is about supporting victims of crimes physically, emotionally, and financially.
1: The challenging times of the past year have been tough on businesses. That's just one reason to let the Mississippi Department of Rehabilitation Services be a resource for you. Hi, I'm Chris Howard, Executive Director of MDRS. We help businesses find great employees and assist with things like salary, insurance, and training. Give our Office of Business Development a call today to explore this rewarding opportunity. 1-800-443-1000. That's 1-800-443-1000. The
14: and the number of immigrants at the southern border is causing a diversion of resources, according to Congressman Michael Guest.
8: This shift in resources is being exploited by drug
10: cartels who continue to use the southwest border as the primary pipeline to
14: bring cocaine, methamphetamine and fentanyl into the country. The Mississippi congressman recently visited the border. He's calling on the president to act on the crisis that he says was caused by the administration's policies. A meridian ban is taking on the world's highest mountain to raise money for Parkinson's patients. Adam Hodges checked in via Facebook before his epic journey to climb Mount Everest.
19: We've got about a 10-day trek
16: into the mountain. About six or seven days from now, we're going to uh, climb a mountain called Lobache. But I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone back home.
14: Hodges is general manager of the Anderson Health and Fitness Center at Anderson Regional in Meridian. I'm Kelly Bennett.
17: Twilight concerts at Renaissance are back live Saturday, April 24th, starring the Almond Bets Band. Taz hour, Cedric Burnside, The Vamps and more. It's a full day of music presented by Wicked Wheat Brewery for this socially distanced concert. <laughs> Net Twilight concerts at Renaissance are here. From Nukes Eatery, Renaissance at Colony Park, and First Commercial Bank. Tickets are on sale now. Produced by Ratchet Entertainment Group and Ardenland.
8: For all the folks in the Capital City Metro Area love to have you join me tomorrow morning, six to nine. Gallo Show will start your day the informed way. Super Talk Mississippi, ninety-seven point
0: three. Who are you? Welcome to Real Talk for Real Mississippians. Okay, let's begin. Welcome to the JT Show with Gerard Gibbert.
1: Well, my friend Sharon Womack will be happy, at least on the intro. We've got a little Steve Ferry and Journey well, going on Well, I there. <laughs> did
3: manage to dig through the archives here, and I did find one Journey song that I think we can consider a one-hit wonder, simply because it's the only one I could find, where they recorded with lead singer Robert Fleischman.
1: Oh, saying ain't so. I don't remember that.
3: For You by Journey, okay. featuring Robert Fleischman. So, yeah, that'll, okay. be, uh, that'll be the next segment. Oh yes,
1: entertainment on One Hit Wonder Wednesday. Back to the JT Show. Gerard and Rhino in the studio now, joining us our good friend, the attorney and former chairman of the Mississippi GOP, Lucian Smith.
9: Good, good afternoon. Be, hey, good to be with you, Gerard. And I was about to say good morning, but you're right; it's yeah. uh, it's the afternoon now. Plowing into it,
1: so. Before we get – we're going to dive into some of the uh, activities going on up yonder in there in Washington, D.C., and there's a bunch. But I ask you to handicap the Supreme Court decision on the lawsuit pertaining to Initiative 65.
9: What's your thoughts about what we'll see there? It's going to be really interesting um – to see to see what the supreme court's do supreme court does I, I haven't read the briefs that were filed but I, I watched the argument and you know the gist of it uh, and you know this i know you were having this conversation with the senator before mm-hmm. the, the gist of it is the 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 section of the constitution that allows for these initiatives says that your signatures have to come from the five congressional districts it doesn't say the five congressional districts as they stood in 1991 it says the five congressional districts um and so I tend to think that a plain reading of the Constitution says that if there aren't five congressional districts, then you cannot get the signatures to put it on the ballot. Now, right. that's a difficult position because 70% of uh, the voters in Mississippi want a medical marijuana program in the state. But you know, you look through the statutes, there are, there are individual laws on the books. That do reference the uh, congressional districts uh, when we had five, but most of them, if my recollection is correct, explicitly say the five congressional districts as of such and such date. And so I don't know if hmm. the drafters of that provision of the Constitution didn't think about it. Hmm. It's possible, and this was sort of raised during the uh, during the oral argument, it's entirely possible that the drafters of the Constitution did it deliberately because they didn't like hmm. having an initiative process I, but went forward with it on the assumption that at some point it would be invalid. So I, I, I could see the Supreme Court going either way. Um, and you, you saw, you know, it's it's tough to read too much into the questions that a judge asks during oral argument, but uh, but they ask tough questions of both sides, and so I think either either one of those is a possibility. You know, actually, your your
1: speculation there is uh, consistent. I shouldn't call it speculation, but your analysis is consistent with my speculation, which is I do think, in fact, that there's some degree of resistance to
9: the citizens having a say at the ballot box in the lawmaking process I, I, I think there is I think there is I mean I, I'll say this uh, you know I am a supporter of I, mean, I think the people ought to be able to change the Constitution sure. um, I think the problem is when you use the Constitution to make policy yeah. it gets very dangerous sure. um, because sure. words especially words in laws and in constitutions have have very real meanings And as conservatives, I don't want a judge to sit there and say well, I bet this is what they really meant. Because I want the voters to have the ability uh, to elect their representatives, to have the representatives change the laws, and then to vote those representatives out if they do wrong. And so you you take that power away when you let judges get really creative in reading things. uh, And that's what's problematic. It's one thing to say, we're going to amend the Constitution to say, the lieutenant governor can only serve two terms. Okay, that's clear. But when we start getting into things like medical marijuana, like education funding, which we had with Initiative 42, a few years ago, Uh, it's very tough to change. And almost every time a major piece of legislation passes, you see the legislature come back the next year and say, you know, there were a few unintended consequences. We're going to have a technical amendments bill that's going to fix some of these problems from last year. And the problem is, if you do it in the Constitution, you got to go out, you got to get the signatures again, you got to wait till the next statewide election uh, to have a vote on it. Uh, And so, if there's something that's wrong, it's very tough to fix. And I'll say specific to 65. I think we're going to see that with 65. I mean I know people want a medical marijuana problem at want a medical marijuana mm-hmm. program, but I think when you start looking at some of the zoning restrictions, I think you're going to have people say I think they're going to call Senator Sparks, call their their legislator and say you all got to fix this. There's a there's a marijuana dispensary uh you know 200 feet from my church and we don't like that. Right. And they're going to say, "Well, guys, this is this is constitutional. We, yep. we we got to put it on the ballot." So, Which anyway, means... that's a, that's a long answer to your question. No,
1: and I appreciate that. Uh so um yeah, so this issue about how how many people voted for it—that we're getting into kind of the weeds there—but it's sixty-two percent, uh, according to these figures I'm looking at. You agree with that, Rhino? You look at the same data. Sixty-two percent uh, voted for a program of
3: the total ballots cast. I believe that's the figure. Which I mean, if my napkin math is correct, even if everybody that didn't even vote on it voted no, it would still would have passed. Right.
1: So, uh, yeah, my friend Rusty in Greenville is giving me a hard time about that. So it's 62%. And so we could get into the semantics of defining what is overwhelming. Because I I said the same thing that Lucian said. Uh, 73% of the people who voted uh, on the ballot measure voted for 65%. that has been the data that we have provided. Pretty sure that's accurate.
9: Yeah, and I th- I think in politics, sixty two percent's overwhelming. It's not one hundred percent, but you know, if there's another option, you're not going you're not going to do a lot better than two thirds.
1: Well, heck, Lucian, let's let's think about it. Almost any uh, material race, any significant race for a seat. Sixty-two percent. You're killing the yeah, other that's side.
9: A, that's a great that's a great result. Uh, <laughs> if you're uh, if you're a candidate, you want to you, you're you're happy with fifty percent plus one, but sixty-two percent you'd be thrilled with.
1: So appreciate that, Rusty. But I ain't backing down from my position on that. So um, <laughs> anyhow, so Rusty makes point that our job is to deliver accurate information. I believe we did, and uh, and if we're not, I'll uh, I'll certainly. Uh, make amends for that, and we'll correct it. But I think we did in this case. But anyhow, I appreciate you weighing in on that. We shall see what the Supreme Court does. So I'm going to ask you, like I did uh, as a private citizen, not as a lawmaker, but uh, that same question I asked of the senator that was just here. Would you support uh, a mechanism in our state that would allow the people to initiate a measure, place it on the ballot, that would establish or amend law? as opposed to the current situation, which is we can only amend the Constitution. Would
9: you I, support that? I, I think it'd be better than what we have now I agree. for just that reason. I mean, I, I think... It, if the people, you know, if, if there is overwhelming support for something and there's not action happening at the legislature, I think the best way to deal with it is by beating the legislators who you don't think are, uh, are doing the right thing. But but yes, I think we would be better served having something that allowed that kind of direct referendum rather than having it done in the Constitution, because then the legislature could come in and correct it.
1: Yeah, and it would be. So, uh, of course, you then wonder, well, if the, the people go to the ballot box to do something, like this and the legislature just not happy with it and they go start marking it up and changing it or whatever that's a risk but uh, you know it's I, I read I, I take ballot ballot opedia uh, they I subscribe to that. And I remember back in November, the overwhelming, just large number of measures on the ballot across the country. Right. I mean, it just blew me away how many of those there
9: were for right. all kinds of things. And, and you, California is a good example of this, where it, it almost it, you almost get the sense that the legislature becomes irrelevant. Yeah. And I think I think you want a relatively high bar um, in terms of the number of signatures that you have to get to put these things on the ballot, um, because I I, I think. The best sort of policy gets made through a deliberative process that's iterative. That uh, good point. A, a, and doing a you know saying this is what we're going to do, having a bunch of money behind it, uh, isn't always the best way to do it. And that's the other piece when you when you do those sort of direct uh, legislating like that, it, it it makes money even more important. Because most people, and you know, if it's a hot button issue, it's one thing. If you're, you know, medical marijuana may have been exciting enough to get people out to the vote to vote independently, but if it's not, you're going to have a lot of people who show up to vote for president or governor. And if somebody's willing to put a million dollars on something that benefits them personally, you know, you, you might get out outcome, have outcomes that wouldn't happen through an open legislative process over at the Capitol. So there's some risk there.
1: I agree. And uh, before we go to break here, uh, there's uh, the data suggests that. We had people that did not vote for a presidential candidate that voted for or against the ballot measure for medical marijuana.
9: Yeah, I do think it brought some people to the to the polls, probably on both something? sides, but didn't like either presidential <laughs> candidate. We got to
1: take a break. We'll come back. Lucian Smith is our guest. Stay with us on the JT Show.
18: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, sunny skies, high near 62. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 40. Your Thursday, sunny skies, high near 69. Thursday evening, a 20% chance of showers, mostly cloudy, low around 49. And for your finally Friday, cloudy skies, high near 68. This weather forecast has been brought to you by our friends at RJ's Outboard Sales and Service at 1208 Old Fannin Road. RJ's Outboard Sales and Service, your Yamaha Outboard dealer in Brandon.
22: Hi,
10: I'm John Albritton. If your diamond seems smaller today than yesterday, trade it for a larger stone at Albritton's. Our certified gemologist will give you a generous, no-obligation appraisal of your diamond, which can be applied to your new selection. Whether you choose to remount your existing stone or simply trade it, you'll get the most diamond value at Albritton's.
0: Quality and value go hand in hand
20: at Albritton's. All Britain's
15: Jubilees. Carter Sledge Family Dentistry is just that a family. This is a whole new me, (laughs) almost. And of course, I just started
16: bawling,
4: and then I looked around and they had tears, (laughs) and then the whole, it seemed like the whole office came in and look, but it was just a
1: feeling like I have never
15: felt before. Carter Sledge Family Dentistry, 772 Lake Harbor Drive in Richland, 601-607-7876.
8: Be sure and check out the newly remodeled Basils in Fondren, where you get simple food done well. And don't forget to drop by Basils Fountain View at the Renaissance. Go to eatbasils.com for online ordering for both locations. That's Basils.
4: Are you turning 65? Humana can provide answers to your Medicare questions, including, what are my Medicare plan options? Which Medicare plan is right for me? And how do I choose a Medicare plan? Listening, learning, and providing whole health support that meets you where you are. That's what we call human care. To learn more, call 601-605-5130 to speak to your local Humana sales agent.
18: Be sure to tune in every Saturday morning from 10 until noon for The Handyman Show. Brought to you
5: locally in part by Mid-South Crawl Space Solutions. Protecting your home from structural damage, cracks, humidity, mold, and more. That's Mid-South Crawl Space Solutions of Mississippi.
8: Yellow here with a special invitation to join us weekday morning, 6 to 9. Breaking news, quick shots, analysis, all right here on Super Talk Jackson
0: 97.3. It's so awesome! You're hearing the JT Show with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show. On Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Welcome back. The JT Show continues. Lucian Smith, our guest in the studio. Jeff on the C Spire text line says, I guess I'm a weirdo because I voted for President Trump but didn't vote on the initiative. <laughs> and I'm sure there are some like that. Uh, I don't know if we have that data exactly. But I know Watson, he, he called me after all this was tabulated and he, and he shared that piece of information. That uh, Secretary State Watson, that I thought was unusual, that folks just bypassed voting for the president, and went to these ballot measures. I want to say it was just north of two thousand folks total. That's what I'm looking at, twenty
9: one, twenty nine. That's the folks who didn't vote for president but did vote on sixty five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think there are probably some people in the other way too. I, I well, doubt Justin's alone there.
1: Is under vote? Is that what that means? That's a two hundred eighty one
9: thousand. Okay, that makes sense because
1: um, the numbers of those who voted. For or against? If you add that up, that is short by about two hundred something thousand. Do- uh, excuse me, two hundred something thousand of
9: the people who cast a ballot. And, and that's that's very normal, especially in presidential election years. I mean, you, you get under votes for essentially everything under president. You got folks who show up, they vote for president. Turn it they in. They don't care who the senator is. They don't care who the congressman is. Yeah. They're going. They, they don't make it past that. And
1: and so we had twenty one hundred twenty nine in this case that cared more about this. You could argue yeah. because they voted for it than they did for the president
9: that's always interesting
1: yeah that's that truly is. I want to say the same situation
9: was true with respect to the flag. I'm sure I mean that's another one that brought that folks showed up uh, I'm confident people voted up in in 2001 for that reason specifically
1: yeah, yeah. interesting so uh, but as it stands right now based on what the Supreme Court says, even though there are some some ballot measures, Uh, being initiated by citizens uh, apart from the legislative process there's a possibility we don't really have a valid way to get that done
9: it's going to be an interesting uh, it's gonna be a very interesting thing to watch what the Supreme Court does because and we were talking about this earlier off the air I mean there are there are other groups that are waiting in the wings. There, right. There's already the initiative uh, to expand Medicaid in Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, if this, if the Supreme Court says that the you, you no longer can do ballot initiatives to amend the Constitution, mm-hmm. that'll be off the table. Uh, my understanding is that there's going to be uh, an effort to put wine in grocery stores that could be done on the ballot. And so I think you've got a lot of folks uh, who are out there uh, very closely watching what the Supreme Court says. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh
1: and then the question is, will we will we cure that uh, through the legislative process? And Senator Sparks is not uh, 100% persuaded at this point that it can be cured through just uh, a normal bill. Uh, that uh, that maybe it requires going to the ballot box and amending the Constitution. It,
9: I think it probably does. And that, <laughs> that was something that was addressed. That was one of the questions that was asked to, uh, to Katie Pickett, who's the attorney for the city of Madison. Um, yeah. And they, the, the court said, could the could the legislature just come in and say, for purposes of Section 230, which is the relevant constitutional amendment, okay. these are the five congressional districts. And, and her argument, which I think has a lot of merit, is no. That if the Constitution, the legislature can't come in later right. and change the meaning of the Constitution. Uh, and so I think it's likely you'd have to have another ballot uh, effort to right. do that. But I, I would be surprised if the legislature. Didn't I think they probably would give the voters the opportunity to correct that provision. I I, I think there's clearly an appetite for this sort of thing.
1: Right. And we should explain, correct, that the legislature can place a measure on the ballot which that's would
9: right. amend the Constitution. That's exactly right. Okay. There, there are two ways. You can go through this ballot process, or the legislature uh, can propose an amendment. I think it has to have a, a supermajority in each chamber, and then that's it gets right. put on the ballot. Um, and I wow. don't think they would want to do that, but I, I'm... We'll see. We've got to wait and see what the Supreme Court says. Yeah. Speaking of Supreme Court,
1: we got the old you know, Supreme Court up there in Washington, D.C., and the Democrats, are uh, they're working feverishly, it would seem, some are, uh, they're like their number one top priority, to expand the court. I mean, the ramifications of that, Lucian, on a long-term basis, I can't even begin to comprehend it. it,
9: it it's huge. Um, and it's amazing to me, you know, there's so much talk. Uh, by the mainstream media about how the Republicans are captive to an extremist base. I don't think it's true. I agree. But I think who really is captive to an extremist base is the Democrats. You you know, Chuck Schumer, who's the majority leader in the Senate, he is terrified that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is going to primary him for Senate the next time he's up. So he's got to protect his left flank. And so you start seeing these ideas like packing the court, which a year ago, two years ago, people would have thought were these crazy left-wing ideas. And now you've got Ed Markey, the senator from Massachusetts, and Jerry Nadler, who chairs the Judiciary Committee in the House. So, two very prominent members uh, of the Democratic congressional leadership who are proposing to add four justices to the Supreme Court. And, you know, they, they couch it in things like we want to add balance, we want to restore fairness. That's just a lie. What yep. they want is a permanent liberal majority on the Supreme no Court. No question.
1: Well, I've also heard him justify this action on the basis that Donald Trump wasn't really duly elected, and he really shouldn't have had the authority to make these appointments. And, I mean, everything always seems to be distilled
9: down to Donald Trump when it comes from the he other broke side. The, he really did just break some people's minds. I mean, smart people who used to, who were left-leaning uh, but were smart. It's All of a sudden, Donald Trump came in there, and they were just broken. And you, you see it there. And on the Supreme Court thing, it, it, one of the other talking points that they've put out uh, to try to delegitimize the court is yeah. that they, they say the majority of the judges on the court were appointed by presidents who didn't win the majority of the popular oh, okay. vote. And that's true of President Trump. It's irrelevant. Right. I mean, that that would be like saying the majority of the liberals were appointed by people who didn't get elected to Congress because right. Barack Obama and Bill Clinton <laughs> both lost their first congressional race. Um, but. The thing about two of them, I mean, Justice Alito and Justice Roberts, who were appointed by George Bush, they were appointed after he was reelected in 2004 and won the majority of the popular vote. So, in addition okay. to the fact that it's uh, not relevant for whether they're legitimately sitting there, it's just a lie. But you're going to see more and more of that because the extremes in this, on the left, want to see the court expanded. <laughs> the the polls show that the majority of Americans don't, so you're going to keep hearing this kind of disingenuous talk about it's about fairness, it's about legitimacy, it's about restoring order, and it's not. It's about having a permanent majority on the Supreme Court who will legislate from the bench the kind of extremist policy that the Democrats could never get people elected in the middle part of the country to vote for. Right. But if they can get some uh, some extremists on the court, they can get it <laughs> rammed through, and that's really what that's all about.
1: It's, uh, yeah, so it's a good point. They're not taking into consideration the other justices that were already seated that are on the conservative. Uh, side of uh, philosophy, they don't take that into consideration Not at all.
9: <laughs> well, and here, and this is the bigger this is the bigger issue. I mean, conservatives. I don't want. I'm not looking for justices who are going to give me the policy outcomes I that I'd like. I mean, yeah. I, I would I be happy if the Supreme Court said the Constitution requires school choice. I mean, I'd be happy with the outcome. Would I be happy if the Supreme Court said, look, we're going to cap the top marginal tax rate at 25% and eliminate capital gains tax? Yeah, I'd be great with that outcome, but that's not what I'm looking for. All I want is a judge who looks at the law and says, this is what the law says, because I want the people's elected representatives making those decisions. That's not what the Democrats want. They want to achieve policies. The old
1: lawmakers in robes uh, narrative, right? Exactly. All right, so the Chauvin verdict. The big news, of course, sweeping the country and and just a wide range of reactions on that. We played earlier uh, Nancy Pelosi's reaction. We also had Joe Biden in his remarks yesterday, post-verdict, he and the Vice President both again invoking this uh, notion that the country uh, is just inherently systemically racist. Uh, First I don't believe that. Second, that is totally inappropriate. For these are the the top leaders in our country. Have you ever seen them stand up and say
9: anything positive about this nation? It it, it is astounding, and I think you had. This was a few days ago. You were um, you played the audio of the woman who UN ambassador the UN ambassador who uh, ridiculous, who, and it's it's. I think that critical race theory and these sorts of views, which are dominant now on the left and are starting to become very mainstream, yeah. are one of the most insidious things going on in our country. It is dangerous. I'm I'm fearful for the way kids are getting educated because, you know, America's not perfect. Mississippi's not perfect. There are things in our history that we shouldn't be proud of, but we are the least racist. Freest, fairest country in the world, and the best place to live, and to have leaders who who seem to be bought in—I think for personal political reasons—to convincing people America is a terrible, racist place is just a horrible thing, and I think it's morally wrong. And and being
1: taught, it's—we're not really educating; we're indoctrinating, right. which is sad. Can you hang for another? Absolutely. second? Absolutely. We I'd got Lucian Smith in the studio. We got uh, a little more to talk about. Stay with us on the J.T. Show.
13: Grass growing season is in full swing, and Hartley Equipment in Gluckstadt is your one stop outdoor equipment shop. Hartley has teamed up with Skag Lawnmowers to offer you the best deals of the year during their annual Skag Open House event. This sale will run Monday, April 19th through Saturday, April 24th. All week long, Hartley will have huge discounts on all Skag walk behinds, stand ons, and zero turn mowers. Hartley has the perfect Skag lawnmower for the small residential yard or large estate owner. Commercial grass cutters will also receive additional discounts discounts on any purchases during this week-long sale. On top of all these savings, all Skag mowers are eligible for 0% financing with no money down as well as Mo now pay later financing options. Each purchase will come with a free first service and free delivery. Stop by Hartley Equipment in Gluckstadt, April 19th through the 24th and see for yourself why Skag mowers are simply the best.
20: This is owner Cameron Hartley reminding you that when it comes to your lawn equipment needs, shop smartly, shop Hartley. This is Brent Callaway. Since 1954, Callaways has been family-owned and operated.
8: Located in Gludstadt, just south of Germantown High. Callaways has everything you need to make your yard and garden beautiful. From trees, shrubs, and color plants to bulk soils for delivery and pickup. Callaways has special pricing on outdoor patio furniture. With all the new 2021 collections in stock and arriving, the farmers market is open, full of fresh fruits, vegetables, and local honey and the best tomatoes in town. Callaway's will have farm-fresh produce seven days a week. Callaway's offers bulk soils for delivery and pickup. We also offer landscaping. Our designers, Clinton Streeter and Corey Castle, can design and install your landscape from a small job to a total transformation. Just give us a call to discuss your landscaping needs. Visit Callaway's in Gludstadt on Calhoun Station Parkway south of Germantown High.
20: Callaway's is. Callaway's is.
14: I'm Kelly Bennett and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. A Madison police officer is recovering after being dragged by a vehicle during a traffic stop. He was responding to a shoplifting call at the Best Buy Tuesday when the suspect, Jarrell Stanton, pulled away, dragging the officer as he turned onto the on-ramp of I-55. The officer was able to free himself and suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Stanton crashed his vehicle before his arrest on multiple charges, including felony assault on a law enforcement officer. Madison County Deputy Brad Sullivan saved a kidnapping victim before he was shot in the line of duty in 2019, leaving him partially paralyzed. He's the Attorney General's honoree this Crime Victims Week for Outstanding Service.
22: He didn't hesitate. He put his life right out there and he saved that victim's life.
14: Attorney General Lynn Fitch explained to Super Talk Mississippi that this week is about supporting victims of crimes physically, emotionally, and financially.
0: thousands of bulldog fans have subscribed to the thunder and lightning podcast have you on each episode brian haydad and joel coleman give you an inside look at your mississippi state bulldogs the thunder and lightning podcast is free and available on demand at supertalk.fm and on your smartphone just search for thunder and lightning on itunes google play or anywhere you listen to podcasts thunder and lightning from supertalk mississippi covering the bulldogs like no one else You're hearing the JT Show with Gerard Gibbert on
4: Super Talk Mississippi. They always say what they want. They're open about their opinions. They're not afraid to say what they feel.
1: Welcome back, everyone. The JT Show, Super Talk Mississippi, Gerard and Rhino in the studio. Rhino, we got a giveaway, don't we?
3: Oh, yeah. You've got a chance to win six tickets to check out the concert series coming to the Magnolia State this weekend. Concerts are finally returning to Mississippi. And on Saturday, this Saturday, you can catch the Twilight Concert Series, over eight hours of music in the beautiful Renaissance at Colony Park in Ridgeland. You'll hear the Almond Betts Band, Cedric Burnside, and more as they take the stage for this incredible event. And since you'll be at Renaissance at Colony Park in Ridgeland, you'll be surrounded by incredible dining and shopping. You can get your own tickets now at Ticketmaster.com or by visiting Ardenland.net. But if you want six of them for free, you've got to be the sixth person to text into the Seaspire text line with the word Twilight. So be the sixth person to text 601-879-4395 with the word TWILIGHT, and you will win six tickets to the TWILIGHT concert series this Saturday. Very cool.
1: So it looks like, Lucian, that the Democrats are holding a press conference as we speak on D.C. statehood, and I think there's a vote scheduled in the House and I'm, I, this I, it, week. It's going to pass in the yeah. House. Oh, easy. Yeah. I mean,
9: it, it's... Um, and that's another one that just to me is is so disingenuous i mean that, for starters the founders intended uh for dc to be independent of any of the states because we're a a federation of uh, of independent sovereign states and the capital city was supposed to be outside of it um but secondly i mean if this is really a problem and i don't think it's a problem but if it's really a problem i actually and i don't often agree with mitt romney i think mitt romney was right make it part of of uh, yeah. maryland yeah um, i agree uh, or make it part of Virginia, Virginia. for that matter. Yeah. But what they won't is two senators, and D.C. Uh, is going to be, a is a, in terms of its city leadership, is a very solid Democratic city, and so they know if it's a state and it gets two more senators, uh, then there are going to be two more Democrats. Um, you're going to see the same thing happen with Puerto Rico. I, I think we've got a better chance of winning a seat in Puerto Rico, yeah. but I think the Democrats think they're going to get at least one, and what they want to create is a permanent structural majority uh, in the U.S. Senate where uh, Republicans just can't win. It's about power. Uh, it's not about representation.
1: Uh, they, you know, and to hear them say it's about justice and saving democracy and all the platitudes and the tropes, it just goes on and on. I wanted to continue our discussion about these indoctrination camps, yeah. which uh, used to be educational institutions at one time, and I've talked about this extensively on this program, and our audience knows that, and I'm going to continue to talk about it, because I honestly view this as one of, if not the top issue, that is putting our country and the future of it at risk. We are so consumed with this, and it, it's and it started out, as you know, in higher ed, and now it has permeated the institutional spectrum of our society. Mm-hmm. Corporate America is obsessed with it. Uh, and now in the K-12 arena, same thing, it, it, government, it, no matter where you go, and this critical race theory stuff, first it's hogwash, it's just not true, and second, I, I think that it's poisoning the, our country. Look, I, I'm just going to go ahead and read it, but uh, one of the professors at Ole Miss, I think everybody probably knows him by now, uh, J.T. Thomas. Goes by insurgent prof on Twitter. Cover your food if he's walking by. That's him. You got it. He's the one that took off to protest, and Auditor Shad White is demanding a repayment of his compensation for that time off, which I guess was not uh, approved with pay. Anyhow, he says. Last week, this is a tweet from Professor Thomas, last week of the spring semester, which means only one more week to teach all my students how to hate America before they break for
9: the summer. It's unbelievable.
1: So, uh, you know, I don't really understand how teaching young people, including impressionable college students, to hate the country should we call attention to our deficiencies, our flaws, our issues, our problems? Yeah, I, and I kind of uh, liken this, solution to running a business, a private business. If I showed up every day and told my team, we suck, we're terrible, <laughs> you need to hate us, Right? I, I would probably get a bad outcome. Yep. I'm just going to go out on a limb there. That's right. But if you show up... You should be as the leader, certainly, as one who other people are influenced by and pay attention to. you got to be the ambassador or the best cheerleader you can be. But when I see the President say, oh, you know, our country's just rooted in awash and systemic racism, that's just not true. No. Uh, you know, I want to know, what institution, Joe, what city, what town, what address, what leader, where's that happening exactly? Uh, I personally believe what derek chauvin did was abhorrent and I think the right verdict was rendered that's, I think that's just right. my opinion that's my opinion does that however indicate empirically that the entire law enforcement community in this country is systemically racist hell no not
9: even close no and, and I, I think specific i mean I think your broader indoctrination point is important but specific to the 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 law enforcement. It's also dangerous. I mean, thank God for the men and women uh, in blue who are willing to go out every day and risk their lives to keep us safe. I mean, you don't get rich being a police officer, you don't get famous being a police officer. And now we've got leaders at the highest level uh, who make it who are convincing people by their rhetoric that the police are somehow the bad guys. I mean, the the opposite couldn't be more true, and it starts to have real consequences. I mean, you saw some of this when Barack Obama was president, that there was this anti-police rhetoric that was coming from the White House, uh, and you had a, a person in New York who literally just walked up to two police officers who were sitting in a patrol car and shot the two of them. Uh, and, and, you know, we talked about it in the context of the uh, the January 6th uh, insurgency at the at the U.S. Capitol. But the comments that leaders make have consequences. No question. And when the president says uh, mm-hmm. that racism is fundamentally a part of America and that the police are part of the problem, uh, you're going to have negative consequences. And that's going to be bad for everybody. But but no. I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. Well,
1: and and so now what I see happening to a great extent, and I'm going to give an example of this, is we're displacing and replacing our achievement-based society with really just this kind of uh, meritless type right. um, scoring and and decision-making process and. It's it's a race to mediocrity, is what I call it. But th- there's a school up in Virginia in Fairfax County. It is the Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. It's an, it's an advanced uh, school for uh, gifted students at, at the high school level. And there was an entrance exam. Uh, a merit-based entrance exam to to take, and you also had to have a resume in addition to taking the exam to to um, for entr- entrance, and they've completely eliminated that now with some sort of lottery, so that they can get a more diverse student body, because it was primarily populated with Asian Americans, and and so they find that objectionable, and it, rather than trying to figure out well the root cause of why other minority and other demographics are not able to pass the test in order
9: to be admitted, we just changed the standards. Right. And you're seeing that across the board in this country. Well, there's been a wholesale shift, um, especially on the left, from trying to have a quality of opportunity, which is a good thing. That is a good goal, to a quality of outcome. Right. Uh, and you know, the, the, a great example of that, to me, uh, is school choice. I mean, that's not going to solve every problem uh, in our state. But you look at something like the, the city of Jackson public school system. I mean, yep. I live in the city of Jackson. I send my kids to an independent school because I've been fortunate enough that I can pay for my children to go to an independent school. Um, Most people in Jackson can't. And so, to me, the solution to that is let's continue to grow charter schools. Let's uh, try to achieve some equality of opportunity by moving towards a voucher-based school choice system. So we give those same opportunities. Instead, you see Democratic leadership largely because they're beholden to, uh, to teachers and teachers unions around the country. They're not as powerful here. Fighting any effort to get towards school choice and then working for these sort of equality of, uh, of opportunity, equality of outcome right. uh, policies like that. And part of what has made America so great and so prosperous for literally everybody is that we have been a system. That embrace the fair, the free market that allowed people to go out and take huge risks and be rewarded for that, uh, and a lot of folks on the left think that's offensive, and and that's a that's a real problem for the future of our country. It's
1: very dangerous when we start lowering the standards in order to accommodate certain objectives based on all uh, race and ethnicity and other physical characteristics. We should be addressing the root cause, core problem of absolutely w- why those folks. That are not uh, participating, and uh, those those kinds of activities and opportunities. That's what we got to do. Well, anyhow, I appreciate you coming on, Lucian. Absolutely, Dr. It's Great to be with you. you. You bet. We'll be back. Final segment on the JT show coming up next.
7: This is JT. If you like me, you like to deal with local people. Majestic Metals was founded in Mississippi in 1954, and they're headquartered in Gluckstadt for complete metal building systems and steel roofing and siding. Call the hometown folks 1-800-647-8540 or on the web majesticmetalsinc.com.
5: Play the newly renovated Dancing Rabbit Golf Magazine's The Augusta You Can Play in the rolling hills of Mississippi. It's one of the southeast's most awarded destinations. Dancing Rabbit boasts two critically acclaimed par 72 courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. With great stay and play packages starting at just $143. Dancing Rabbit will quickly become your home away from home. Only at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. A Pearl River Resort destination Choctaw, Mississippi. Visit DancingRabbitGolf.com to book your tee time.
16: Hi, I'm Dale Danks with the Danks, Miller & Corey firm. Our office represents clients and businesses across Mississippi. If you need a lawyer you can trust and who will fight for you, don't compromise. Danks, Miller & Corey. Online at DanksMillerCorey.com.
18: 601-345-8090. That's 601-345-8090. Or online at BaronistreePros.com. That's BaronisTreePros
7: Does your body
2: hurt? Have you tried unsuccessful treatments for plantar fasciitis, tennis elbow, shoulder pain, or IT band? Acoustic Wave Treatment Center offers an affordable non-surgical solution through Acoustic Wave Therapy. The beneficial effects of Acoustic Wave Therapy are often experienced after only one or two treatments. The therapy eliminates pain and restores mobility, improving your quality of life. Call today to schedule your appointment. 601-944-5585 or go to AcousticWaveMS.com.
10: Go with the home team.
22: I'm Attorney General Lynn Fitch, and this is National Crime Victims' Rights Week. Last year, my office served over 2,200 crime victims. If you've been the victim of a crime, we can help you. Visit AttorneyGeneralLynnFitch.com.
0: Nobody covers the Magnolia State like Supertalk. Supertalk Mississippi News is your source for all things Mississippi. Stay here and hear the stories that matter. Supertalk Mississippi News. Online at supertalk.fm. Arm yourself with everything you need to take on your day. Wake up with Gallo tomorrow on 97.3 FM. Supertalk Mississippi. You can text The J.T. Show, 601-879-4395. That's 601-879-4395. Now, here's more with Gerard Gibbert on Supertalk Mississippi. Thank you.
1: The J.T. Show continues, Spirit in the Sky. I can't help but think about Apollo 13 when I hear that song. That was a great movie. I remember that for real back then. So I I wanted to also talk a little bit more about this uh, Fairfax County indoctrination school here that they're at least trying to transition this school into an indoctrination camp, it appears to me. But uh, these parents got these documents and exposed this nonsense. And, you know, <laughs> the, the, uh, they got a hold of a document that was being used in the school. This is being taught to students. The characteristics of white supremacy culture. This displayed a list of characteristics of white supremacy culture, including perfectionism, a sense of urgency, defensiveness, worship of the written word, you know, like memos, either-or thinking, power-hoarding individualism, objectivity, and the right to comfort – Think about that. Can somebody explain to me how perfectionism is racist? Sense of urgency. Worship of the written word.
3: That sounds like somebody that's never actually looked into the concepts of high-context and low-context societies. I just don't get it.
1: Uh... And, of course, they they encourage them to join and, and donate their parents to Black Lives Matter organization. And, by the way, the materials were done in the black and yellow theme colors of BLM. It's unbelievable. Um In the training, it says racism is a very prevalent issue affecting a variety of of people and many ethnicities. It is important to understand racism as well as how we can work together to fight it so we can build a better future. And there's a film that uh, features an image of the American flag with a sign in front of it that reads, The American Dream is Over.
3: unbelievable it, why is it that it seems at least to me that the left's talking points their entire freaking platform sounds like propaganda from red russia and red china does seem that way and it's it's disturbing
1: uh and it's incredibly disturbing
3: that this or am is am i going to get canceled for calling it red russia and red china probably I I just know that as long as
1: in society we constantly dwell on the negatives and never, ever discuss or accentuate or highlight the positives, I don't see how we have a chance to really, let's just say, achieve our fullest potential. And and if the goal is unity which is what we're told over and over again. We have to do this to unify. This divides. It segregates. It, it places a wedge between demographics. It's, I, it's terrible, in my view. And look, I, I spoke yesterday to the manager of a national company, in in our industry the IT industry and he was he was, he manages a pretty big team and he was telling me that every two weeks it's diversity and inclusion inclusion session for an hour or two via webex and he he said that finally one of his staff a black female came to him and said Can we tell management to dispense with the diversity and inclusion training? Think about that now. Now, a white person couldn't do that. They'd be hung, summarily dismissed, censured likely, at a minimum. This came from a black female. Can we stop this? It's a waste of time. That's what's going to happen, I believe, and I think we're starting to see, such as the case here with that letter I read yesterday, I think that's what's gonna happen. We are out of time here today on the JT show. We thank you so much for tuning in. Rhino and I will be back at it tomorrow at ten o'clock. Stay safe. God bless everyone. See